sweet sounds of the gypsy jazz version of the Spider-Man theme song can only mean one thing, listener. You've just tuned in to a Nerd Spider-Timber episode. The jock is actually out of town, so I've asked everyone's favorite co-host fill-in, Rugboy, to join me as we take a trip through our childhood and reminisce about the Spider-Man that we grew up loving and what we do with Spider-Man today. That's right, listener. It's Spider Timber and the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Growing up with Spider Man episode 42. Let's do this. It's the Jock and Nerd Podcast with your hosts, Anthony and Imran. Oh, here we are, friends. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to this episode of the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. And my name is Rugboy. He's the Rugboy. <laughs> and he's the nerd. Now, look, it's a little confusing if you're a first-time listener. You're like, hey, but this is supposed to be the Jock and Nerd Podcast. This is Rugboy and Nerd Podcast, which really doesn't have the same kind of – doesn't roll off the tongue as the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Yeah. It's, we're not as opposite. No, no, it's kind of, we're almost like the same person. But that is because listener Anthony is out in Austin, Texas at a bachelor party where they rented a mansion with him and like 16 dudes. Wow. They're jogging about and uh you know, he's gaining some real world experience to uh bring back to the show. Bro, do you even podcast? So, like, we could do that, and it's like he's still here. Oh, he's, that's, he's, like, right there. Yeah, but that's all he says. So, <laughs> so Anthony's out. Filling in, of course, is Mr. Rugboy. Thanks, Rugsy, for coming in here. Dude, what's up, man? Not much. How's it going? How's the basement? How's the rug? The basement's good. The rug's good. Uh, Jose was here, like, uh, last weekend. Yeah, and, we, uh, yeah we did that show. Uh, I think it was lots of fun. It's the first time I've had anybody in the basement, in this uh, basement. Was that weird for you? Rugs, real quick, uh, that's another thing I realized, that if we do have new listeners, I think you got to uh, in- introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, listener Rugboy is a character that we own, <laughs> and he works for us, and he lives in the basement, sleeps on a rug, and anything else you want to mention? Yeah, I'm just like, uh, I'm, ho- I'm a vagabond. I like walk the earth like Kane in Kung Fu. I like just go from place to place. Sometimes I find a place for a little while and then eventually people will get rid of me. Uh, I'm not homeless. Like, I can always go live with my mom, but I choose not to live there because <laughs> I'm old. Let me guess. I'm you're, old and smelly. You're, 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 uh, you're living off the welfare system, aren't you, Rugsy? Well, I'm living off the unfair system. <laughs> the unfair system. Oh, shit. So, yeah, that's the rug boy. We met in college and, uh, uh, and now he's here, and he is third Mike. He's a great co-host. You have a lot of great observations. Yes. Well, you know, it's just like I read a lot of comics, and I, I do a lot of shit. I've been around the world, like, you know, a bunch of times. And so, uh, you know, sleeping on freighters, wow. blowing guys for rides. Yeah, oh, wow. Oh, rides. shit. <laughs> Or I you, thought they were girls. Uh, yeah, know. you know it's hard. It's dark, and it's you know they can't really see much. Hey, but throw a wig and lipstick on it. <laughs> After a couple of beers, it's all right. Hey, it's all the same, really. Come on, it all goes in the same. Uh, insert slot A into you know B. I don't know. Well, kind of. Anywho, this is going to be 
uh, a Spider Timber episode listener because it is still Spider Timber. And over at A Place to Hang Your Cape, they are celebrating Spider Timber with us and a bunch of other websites and podcasts. And I actually think this was uh, the fact that Anthony is out of town is a good one for this because I think he's wearing a little thin on all the Spider Man talk. I've been waiting to do a Spider-Man podcast forever. That's the thing is we've done a bunch and we have it and you and I know this is why I'm very excited for this show because I know we can geek out over our Spider-Man experience and uh, Anthony's not here so we're going to run the show. But you know what? For him, next month maybe we do like Bat-tober or, or Bat-vember or Bat-sember. He likes Batman, right? He so likes Batman. So okay. we'll, we'll catch up and he'll get to do – David Malofsky, maybe you follow Spider-Timber with – uh, bat December. Uh, it just it doesn't sound as good as Spider Tember either. Bat Tober. Bat Tober. Right. I don't know some shit. But well, he'll, he'll get his spot. His Batman do. Meanwhile, this is our show titled "Growing Up Spider Man." Listener, we just wanted to reminisce and talk about the Spider Man uh, that we grew up with, um, kind of in the mid '80s. Of course, you 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 end up reading the stuff from the '70s as well. But this is the stuff that was out in the comic book stores when we were old enough to go there and buy our own shit or beg our parents to buy us shit. Right. You would start here and then you would go back and try to fill in the holes of the story and get, you know, if you'd missed where where this whole storyline came from. See, what happened is I was with my dad at Pathmark and they had that little spinning rack with all the comics on it. And that used to be everywhere. And then I got the I got would get my Spider-Man's. Yeah. And then I discovered that there was a comic book store that I could ride my bike to. You know, I pedal my bike, my ass all the way like a mile to go to this comic yeah, book store. Yeah. And then they had comics. So I, I already had the new Spider-Man because I was just at Pathmark and my dad bought it. Yeah. So then I would go dig around in the old for the old Spider-Man's. Yep. Yep. I did the same. And uh, you know, it was around nineteen eighty-six that I really started getting into like buying from the comic book store and I would drive around I would bike around to like all the 7-Elevens because they had the spinner racks but then this was the heyday of the direct uh sale comic book store there was lots of comic book stores growing up and they are slowly shutting down and I have a kind of a very interesting story about a local comic book store that I will tell you guys at the end of the show um, okay so stick around for that but yeah they, uh we, I would just I would bike around and I'd hit the video games at the video game place, and then I'd go buy comic books and uh, bring it back. And I would, like, dream of new comic book stores that were opening up. I swear, I would dream that a comic book store had literally opened up down the street. And the next day, I'd be like, maybe there's one there. And I'd bike there and did nothing empty. I'm like, oh, that was a dream. We <laughs> would go on, like, biking missions across, like, because uh, I lived in an area that had, like, it was like every town was like a mile and a half long. Yeah. So like you'd be able to cross like three or four towns over like in, in like an afternoon. So we would go on a mission to try and find other comic book stores or places that had comics or like convenience stores that had comics or uh, pharmacies or shit. Dude, I did the same shit with me and my buddy. It would be an all day journey. It would be like an all day bike cross country bike day. Yeah, today's kids don't need to. They just turn the internet on and they're like, okay, here it is. Well, that's that's the thing. And that we'll get into that when I get to that story because the times are changing, my friend. And there are experiences we had that this next generation of kids, they won't – unfortunately, they're not going to get to experience some of this stuff. And maybe they don't need to. But it's something of culture that's, that's going to be missing and extinct. Like, these kids don't even have to like hunt for porn. No. Like, 
I remember uh, dumpster diving for that shit because you could only get it in a magazine. Now they just turn on the internet and then there's bukkake everywhere. I remember having to watch. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) I would watch scrambled porn streams and you'd tilt your head and you're like, oh, I saw a little bit of a nipple. That's enough. I'm good. I'm, I'm done. They would never know the struggle. They will never know no. the technological. The, like the, the porn internet. comes to you now, and you're, even if you don't want it, it just comes to your phone like, somehow. Just by the nature <laughs> of the internet being there, and the fact that the fear factor of the internet is over. Like when the internet first came out, people were like fucking scared and shit of it. They're like, "Oh my god!" Like how you know? Like do I? Can I, I, I could see this. I can look this shit up. I don't want my kids on this. No, you know, and they would like, you know, be all like, uh, whatever. Now, like, there's no fear anymore. There's like, ah, fuck, let the kids go on their iPad. Let them look up whatever they want. That's no crazy. one cares. No, and there's so and much. fucking spoiled. And then they, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out here. But we're not here we to talk old. about the internet, you old man. I'm, all, <laughs> I'm also an old man. We have to, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I love having all the information at our fingertips. We're here to talk about growing up with Spider-Man. Yeah. So, Rugboy, do you remember the very first time that you saw Spider-Man in any shape or form? I remember. I uh, I think I got Spider-Man as a, a action figure. Okay. And uh, was, was it the like, uh, was it the cloth? Uh, what are those figures? The it uh, was Amigo. Yeah, it was, it was Amigo. A, yeah, the smaller Amigos. It was like in the probably in the seventies. Yeah, those things are worth money now. But I also got Superman and Batman. But I didn't like them. I liked Spider Man. I like because he had like I would look at Superman and see a face. I'd look at Batman and see like this face. But then Spider Man didn't have a face. So he had like a mask on, and I just like that. I don't know what it, what it was about the mask. It was easy it, to draw. I don't know. Yeah, it's easier to draw. It's very the eyes are very striking, and it could be anybody under there. Could have been yeah. You, you don't that's know. That's true. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really. Uh, I used to be Spider Man in the newspaper. Yes, yes, in the comic strips weekly. So I would read daily. those comic strips, and then eventually, when I was old enough, like I was probably six or seven years old. Yeah. Or eight or something yeah. like that. I went yeah. to my dad to go shopping, yeah. food shopping, and okay. then I saw the magazine racks, and then that's how it started. Then it was all over. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you remember the first issue that you read? What it was about? The first issue that I read had to be uh, with Secret Wars. Okay. When he came back or like when? Right around that Secret Wars area. Because I remember like the second issue that I had, he had a black costume. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, the first one that I remember reading, I probably read ones where he was in the red costume first. Right. But I think that by the time that I I was able to remember what I read, he was in the black costume. Like, he was in Secret Wars. I remember Secret Wars. I remember he went in there, his suit was all messed up, and he went in and got that, that black suit. And I remember that like clear as day. So I, had, I knew I, that's one of the first ones that I read. That was a, a huge thing at a the time. There was like press. There was like press releases. It was in the paper, and even it's that issue. I have it right here. I went to my mom's house and I dug up a bunch of old. Went through uh, my stash to get some old comics so I could relive my youth. And um, when he came back, even in the comic book, the guys like. Hey, buddy, who are you? He goes, I'm your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And the guy's like, ah, I seen Spider-Man. You don't look anything like him. He goes, hey, this is me. I'm new. Get used to it. And uh, even the people in the in the the characters in the book thought it was crazy. 
I think it was the one with Tarantula, actually. Ah, uh, yeah. Wasn't that Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man? No, no, it wasn't Amazing Spider-Man. It was a, an issue where it's like uh, Spider-Man versus the Tarantula. Okay. And uh, I think it's 233, John Romita. It was right after the Juggernaut thing. Yes, and we'll get to that storyline. So and I remember. Oh, yeah, okay. We'll 1984 is when Secret Wars happens, and mid-1984 is when... Spider-Man has a black costume. But uh, real quickly, let me tell you what I remember. I'd, I had I, – like I've mentioned before, I always had Spider-Man toys for some reason. But I had these two very distinctive toys from the 70s, and I think I still have them. One of them was a large cloth doll, right? But yes. in his forearm – was it was you would put this like sticky solution you'd take his hand off and it came with the solution and the forearm was a container and you would fill it with that thing put his hand on and cover the thing now when you squeeze this forearm it would shoot this sticky jizz all over the place like it was webs it was a lot of fun really i don't remember that Dude. i remember the one where spider-man is like standing like this yes and then he has okay a line, that's and then- the- yes that's the other – I had that one too. That's the classic. So this one, listener, Spider-Man is molded where he's standing up and he has his one arm up at like a right angle and there's a, a – he has a fist and there's a line with a hook coming out of it and there was a, a – it was battery operated. The motor, yeah, it was like a grappling hook. There was a grappling hook and I think this model, he had a, like a Spidey helicopter for some reason. But he would get, be raised up and down. Not only that, you could look through his head. Remember that? It was like – Yeah, you got spider vision. You got spy spider vision. But I don't remember what you – saw looking through the head ah, i found a link to it in this one i will put a link in the show notes so on uh, some of this is my youth right here the article is called spider-man and his amazingly craptacular 70s merchandise oh yeah there he is oh my god that's so let- <laughs> what was the deal with this thing ah energize spider-man yeah, it's 12 inches long. 12 inches he, of spider. Even though this 12-inch Remco toy looks like an action figure, it wasn't. No parts on the outside moved. None of the limbs, not even the head. No. It was a hollow plastic mold of Spider-Man with a tiny winch mounted inside of it, which was powered by a C battery. It was a huge, heavy battery. Yeah. The winch had a roll of fishing line that would always get uh, tangled because it's fishing line, uh, of which was powered uh, – that had a plastic hook on the end of it, and it spooled through Spider-Man's raised hand. To play with this toy, you had to mount a clamp that came with a toy to the side of a table, chair, or whatever, pull some fishing line out of Spider-Man's hand, then attach it to hook to the clamp, flip the switch on the side of Spider-Man's waist to activate the winch, and Spider-Man would slowly ascend his webbing and until he made it to the top. So... That's all this toy could do, listener. It, it was a complete fucking waste of money and time. All it did was go up. It didn't even come down. All this thing did <laughs> was winch up. Yeah, it was dumb. But I wanted that fucking toy because it was big. It was huge. Uh, it was but he had a so you would the C battery. Also, there was like a little. AC port on his belt because you would plug things in. It would make his flashlight glow. He had accessories. There was helicopter blades. It would make it spin. Uh, it would just suck power from the the battery. And uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, and like this thing would break so easily. Like I still have it, and I think it broke right away. I I don't ever remember it working. Yeah, mine was definitely broken. It, it's gone. I ha- oh, ew. You know what though? I had. I still have it, and uh, like. 
I, I was uh, one of my cousins had come over to my house and I put those toys away and somehow they find it and they snapped the goddamn arm off. I was so angry. I super glued it back together. I was like, oh, hell no. I got to. This thing is my childhood. <laughs> yeah. What about uh? there was OK, there was I remember there was a uh, Secret Wars toys. Remember those little Spider-Man dudes? Were they? That's the- what I, I remember I had that. It was like the. The, the little, like, Star Wars-like action figures, they were, like, molded, and they had, like, a Magneto, they had a Kang, they had Spider-Man. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. These were great. The In fact, I still I still have that Spider-Man. I still have that as well. They came with little pogs, the hologram pogs. Yeah. And each had a secret shield, and there was a, there's even a Deadpool one, which is, I think it's a reissue. That has to be. Because he wasn't around, but there's the original Spider-Man. And, uh, yeah, I remember these. These were, like, the first, like, when we were growing up, like, really cool action figures. That was the first time that they had, like, the non-cloth Mego Spider-Man action figure. And then then those toys got better where I have a couple of those on the wall. The ones where they have 30 points of articulation and you can put them in any pose. Like, when that shit came out, like, G.I. Joe's got better and they had a lot of flexibility. But these that recently came out with the 34 points of articulation, that blew my mind. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, But that came out in like 2000s or something when the movie came out, right? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're fairly recent. But they had no tie-ins. They were just for the character. Like Spider-Man in the 80s, the toys were like uh, – would come out and then they would disappear. There'd be no Spider-Man toys for like a long fucking time. Yeah, and then you just had to like I held on to that Secret War Spider Man for the longest time. There's no other Spider Man toys after that. I I don't think. Yeah, they were few and far between. And so yeah, so I had those toys, and I my my like I said before, my cousins had given me a big bag of comic books around 1986. So I had a lot of 70s Spider Man comic books that I could catch up on. A lot of the fun campy stuff. But the first comic I remember that I bought. In you know, as the series was going, was when I think it was like two ninety when Peter proposes to Mary Jane. Oh wow! Right after like the gang war, but that I I distinctly remember. Uh, that's what I was buying weekly, dude. I used to. Uh, some of our younger listeners may not even know this. You could subscribe to these books, and they would mail them to your house every month. That's how I bought comics for a very long time. Oh, yeah. I was one of those, too. And you, they're really cheap. Like, in the back of some of these books from 84, 85, it goes, get them 54 cents a piece with this subscription. Yeah, you could pay, like, $20 and have, like, uh, like a shitload of comics delivered to your house. Isn't that crazy? I don't even think they offer a subscription model at Marvel anymore or any of these It's places. been a while since I've gotten it. I think the last time it must have been in the through 2005, 2006. Oh, or they were still sending through mail by then. I remember they they would yeah. come in a poly bag, but I was always upset because the stupid fucking mailman would fold it in half and put it in the thing. Like, why are you folding my comics? Like, because it was just, there was no protection. It was just poly bagged. What a dick. I know he was a dick. Oh, shit. But man, what, like, those are the days, like, it's different. You know, those are the days you walk into a comic book store and the smell of paper and ink and mylar plastic was just so great. And you didn't know what you were going to find. And it was a great sense of discovery back then. Yeah. It, it you know, it's not the same anymore. Uh, but there's still comic book stores by, like, by me. There's a, there's a few, but they're going by the wayside. I think that, um, they can't – there's not enough new readers to, like, support this whole thing. And if they are reading, they're reading online. You know what I mean? Well, you got to compete with Comixology, with Amazon.com, selling trade, trades. 
Um, but yeah, I, we'll save that for the end because I have a, there's a great news story and I can't wait to share this All with right. you guys. Now let's talk about the first time. Uh, what do you want to talk about? When do we need some background music? Yeah, you want to play some background music? Like, you should get this in the mood. This will get us in the mood. This will okay? get us in the mood. All right, uh, let's do it. You know. Okay, here we go, folks. Oh, yeah. Getting down. This is the shit, dude. Whoops, whoops. That's my fault. Anyway, some of you, some of you may recognize this music as uh, the theme song from the horrible '70s live-action Spider-Man TV show starring Nicholas Hammond. All right, so uh, <laughs> that's great. I love that because they're sitting there going, "We need some music for Spider-Man," and then the guy's like, "We need some music for a porno. Let's just make them at the same time." You know what? We could kill two birds with one stone. But honestly, dude, every show that was on. Uh, back in that time, had the same fucking theme song. It was all the same shit. I love that music. It's so you know good. Also, but I remember also seeing him first on the Electric Company. Oh yeah, the, that's where you saw this, the first time you saw Spider Man in costume before, yes. like a, a real guy. That was the Electric Company. Yes, and I want to share a little bit of that with you, listener, because that theme song is also uh. As silly, but it's not as pornographic. It's not as pornographic. It doesn't have. We're just gonna play. <laughs> we're just gonna play the beginning of this because. Um, just listen to what they're uh, saying. Every time I want to like decide if a song sounds like a porn song, I always imagine somebody moaning over it on top of it. <laughs> and if it if it's not intrusive, then it's a total porn song. Geek moaner. That last one is definitely. Run boy it was rugby yeah. approved, and it was a, and it was a porn song. Okay, check out this uh, theme song. Oh, this is wait, this is my main man, Timmy Off the Crane. That's what Morgan Freeman. Yeah, hi Ace, how's it going? Everything's everything, yeah. old dude. Yeah. What you doing? Hold on, that was wrong. But that is Morgan Freeman, by the way. He was on all seven years of uh, Spider-Man. Uh, I mean, Electric Company. All Dude, that's awesome. Seven seasons. Did you know that I know Spider-Man? <laughs> uh, hold on. <laughs> I'm that was a bad end. <laughs> I know you're trying to do it. And we can't do it. <laughs> I'm Morgan Freeman. Peter Parker. I'm Morgan Freeman. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. <laughs> I oh. try to do my... <laughs> I'm Morgan Freeman. I love Spider-Man. I don't know. I can't do it. I narrate every movie ever made. <laughs> long ago, long ago, Spider-Man was my friend. Okay. Uh, whatever. <laughs> check this. I can't one. do it. Check this one out. This is Spidey Super Stories. The title of it is, this was on PBS, part of Electric Company. It was a uh, public broadcasting for kids, kind of like a Sesame Street. Can but I see this? You will. The title is Spidey Up Against the Wall. Spider-Man, where are you coming from, Spider-Man? Nobody knows who you are. Today's episode, 
Spidey up against the wall. That's not what you think. Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man has decided to take the day off from his exhausting and frustrating war against crime and catch the baseball game. Let's go Mets. Okay, hold on. I'm just going to pause this here. I'll put a link in the show notes. You guys, it's three minutes. Go watch uh, Spidey against the wall because he literally fights a guy who's just in a wall suit who comes out of the baseball wall uh, and we're looking at it's a comic book panel of people at a game. And uh, boy, describe this panel. Well, oh, this is Spider Man is sitting there in a baseball hat. Yeah. He's just wearing a hat. This is what. And later on, he has a, a hot dog. Hat. Yeah. Here's my question: Isn't it odd that he comes from the Bronx and he's a Mets fan? I don't understand how that works. And I thought Spider Man came from Queens. I mean, the Queens. Would, are people from Queens Mets fans? I'm not a jock. I forget. Uh, I think uh, I don't know. I have no fucking clue. <coughs> Rug boy is not the person to ask. Anyways, that I don't know about sports. The theme song goes. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows where you are. Spider-Man. Anyways, that was the first time you saw, and he didn't talk. He had word bubbles. It was very weird. That was the first time you saw Spider-Man. Let's get into. Some of our favorite stories from back in the day. Like you said, I agree. Like, we both started around when, after Secret Wars, when it was about 1985, 86, after Spider-Man had the black costume and realizes it's a symbiote and get, gets rid of it, and but continues to wear a cloth version of the black costume. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Spider-Man in general in that time, okay? We both grew up in, a, you know, they did something really... Crazy to shake up Spider-Man. They gave him the black costume. All right. They changed his fundamental look. Okay. They went to a black costume for a reason is that they wanted to grow. The people were growing up that were reading the old Spider-Man, the Silver Age stuff, you know? Yeah. And they wanted to mature with the fans. So, like, they gave him this black costume. That was going to start, like, a new era for Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. And um, it was a more, it was a grittier Spider-Man it had more gravitas. It had more like serious tones. You found Spider-Man in different kinds of peril. Like it wasn't as superhero-y. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as like lighthearted uh, fun as like it is now. Now it's like a silly thing. Like Spider-Man's very silly now. It, it has gotten very silly. But li- that black costume saga early on. You know, you, the reader, didn't know it was a symbiote. It was very mysterious. And it was almost a little bit scary because there's quick shots, even right when he comes back, where Peter goes to sleep and the costume itself just goes out web swinging, like a flat silhouette by itself. Right? Yeah. It starts responding to his thoughts and freaking him out. And we learn, you know, at first, I love this because at first you were like, this fucking costume is awesome. He's going to have this for the rest of his career. He doesn't have to wear clothes. It responds to everything. It's making shit. It made him even more powerful. Yes. In it, a lot of ways. It was making its own web shooters, and he didn't know where this was going. It was very exciting. Uh, it seemed to be finally Peter found something that was going to give him an edge up. But, of course, we know Peter Parker's life, and it's never, it's never all good. It doesn't last for, forever, the, the positive parts. It always turns bad in some point in some way. Yeah. But I mean, like there was some great shit. Like I, I just remember like somebody was asking me, I think it was you like, you know, what do I think of spider verse and spider, you know, the spider Island and yeah. stuff. 
I, I, I stopped reading Spider-Man. I stopped collecting it because I was just like, after Superior Spider-Man and, and Dan Slott was writing it, I felt like it was very silly. And the reason why I have that idea, I think people who read Spider-Man now, they don't understand because they haven't read those these old issues. Yes. yes. And I, I encourage all these people to go back and check out this shit because, I mean – when, when you said come up with some great storylines, yeah. I came up with like a shitload of them. Yeah. There's at least like 10 really good things that happened or at Ab- least five. Yeah. Absolutely. In uh, that really define the character and that are like the the quintessential Spider-Man stories. And there's, there, there's a bunch of them. Let me just ask you as a reader, because you read this shit now. You yeah. still read it. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about what you were getting now versus, I mean, did you like in your research – this week for the show, like, did you feel like, hey, did you see a distinct difference? Yeah, well, and you, when you you said something originally, and it really connected because I agreed. So when I came back to Spider Man, it was late six hundreds. Uh, I waited till Spider Island was over. And for the listener, we talked about this. Spider Island was kind of the stand slot storyline where everybody gets spider powers. Ah, everyone's a spider. But so this was me coming back in, and right away I was like. Ew, what is this Spider Island? I was like, I don't know. This It reeks of Clone Wars. I got to wait till this is over. Okay, fine. I waited till it was over. I started reading it. I was like, wow, I'm great. It's, I, I'm, it's great to be back in, but there was something different. I couldn't put my finger on it. There was something off about the tone. And I just kind of let that go. I kept reading, and eventually I got accustomed to this tone. But when you said that Dan Slott has made Spider-Man silly, that was a moment for me because that was what I was feeling and I couldn't pinpoint it. The tone was so silly and campy and over the top that I wasn't used to it. I I missed And melodramatic too. Melodramatic, a lot of a lot of uh, stuff happening, uh, you know, in one issue and it's moving forward at like a crazy pace and uh, verbose. And like Verbose. it's not elegant. And as it has gone on, it's less and less about Spider-Man. It hasn't been about Spider-Man in a while. The last storyline was the Straczynski line where they were doing uh, where he was doing the Moreland stuff with the other. And then that's where I jumped off pretty much. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second, because I feel like that is important. What J. Michael Straczynski did with Ezekiel. Do you feel that because what he did was he introduced a mentor named Ezekiel, that found Peter and basically explained to him that you are connected to a master spider totem. He basically told him that you were chosen. You were always chosen to be this person, which to me... See, I didn't really love, I, no. I didn't really love that because no. it opened the door for other Spider-Men. And I think that one of the things about in the 80s, there was only one Spider-Man. Yes. That's it. Yes. Like, And then there was a clone saga that did happen Ugh. a little... <laughs> yeah. A little earlier, yeah. no, like the jackal one with the first one. Oh, in that one, yeah, that was good. There was yeah, one clone, not, not the one with uh, with right, Kane and all right. the other guys. Yeah, we talked about but, that um, in the Dezago show. The there original, was the, there was the original clone. So there was another time where there was two Spider Men and shit like that. But for the most part, during the eighties, Spider Man was Spider Man. There was no other person. He was unique. He was the only guy that could do that shit. There was Spider Woman, but she wasn't even the same as Spider Man. She no. had like psionic powers yeah. or something. Yeah, they were not like Spider. He wasn't a part. She wasn't part Spider. She wasn't spinning webs. And I think the black costume was actually modeled after Spider Woman too. But yeah, like, they anyway. had, yeah, they had designed her costume first, 
And uh, he kind of he had that he saw her in Secret Wars and had that in mind, and that's what happened. But but uh, the point with the Ezekiel spider totem thing is, don't you feel it negates the whole thing that he he's an everyman and he's a nerd and and this and this could have happened to anyone by saying that you Parker were always chosen to be you were always going to be Spider Man. See, I was hoping that that whole Ezekiel thing was going to be bullshit. They have not read like, on that. I was hoping that like maybe. Ezekiel had this belief that he was a spider totem or something, but then he ended up being wrong because they immediately threw that shit out yeah. and they never finished that storyline. No, no. And then, and, but and you, then they kind of went into like regular Spider-Man for a little bit. And I think that's when Bendis was, was jumpstarting ultimate, uh, ultimate yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I just switched over to ultimate because I felt like, okay, at least this is, Right, a, a, a new thing. Yeah, it was that, cut, like, it, it, I, yeah. I could, I could, I could forgive because he's doing this focused retelling of Spider-Man in, in the modern time. So I could forgive whatever he did. Yeah. Um, but in the main line, the main title, we were getting further and further away from Spider-Man. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that in this era right now, think about the most popular storylines. You have. The Clone Wars that happened, you know, they, you know, Todd even said Todd DeZago said they sold a shitload of those and they were making it. They kept it going because people well, were that, buying yeah. that garbage. Yep. And then you got, um, you know, you got the the Spider-Verse, you know, you got that fucking huge storyline you had where like everything's everybody's Spider-Man. There's a thousand Spider-Man. Well, yeah, I mean, basically what, you know, Dan Slott did was first everyone is Spider-Man, then Dr. Octopus is Spider-Man, then here's all the fucking Spider-Man from everywhere. Oh, and here's a couple more I just made up because I was bored. Let's throw all the shit in there. It's where Spider-Man. It's not about Spider-Man anymore. Yeah, I really, I mean, I really dislike Dan Slott's but, but at the same time, the fucking Spider-Verse is just as wacky. As the clone saga, you know, ultimately it is an event thing to try to sell more books, maybe. But yeah, even if you look back in the 80s, like even the storylines were were, decom- were decompressed. They were like you could get in one year, you could get a fucking fuckload of different kinds of Spider-Man stories. That's not what, just one yes. that drags on. And yeah. then you have to fucking now you're saddled with this bullshit for like 12 months. So here's what, what did we like about the uh, Spider-Man eighties? What do you miss? Here's one thing. There was great one-off issues that you could enjoy, but some Absolutely. of the, but then like you said, they didn't drag things out. They dragged things out maybe for two issues, but that was a very good pace. Like you had five max. Like yes. if it was something Gang big, War like, was five parter. Yeah, it was Craven's last hunt was six was parter. Like, that was a six parter, but yeah. that was over three titles. So that worked though, you know? So uh, you wanna like go down the list of all the great shit that happened in in that uh, time? Yeah, I want I just reread, so like I said, listener, I dug up some old comic books and uh, Rugboy and I are often on the same wavelength when talking about Spider-Man. I want to go over this storyline that took place in Amazing Spider-Man 229 and 230. Nothing can stop the juggernaut because it's a great example of what we are talking about and what we loved about that Spider-Man. Yeah, it's quintessential Spider-Man, you know, up up against great odds. You know, going all out. So this protecting is his family. This this came out in 1982, and uh, did you, for some reason, Spider Man was friends with this old psychic woman called Madam Web. 
Was yeah, very, Madam Web. Very weird relationship. She knew who he was. I think that was a uh, Doctor Strange, uh, like link there. Yeah, like, so that they were yeah. magical in in, in in incarnations. Yeah, because Peter uh, is buddies with the Doc and would often pop over there, you know, for some tea or some fucking trippy mushroom tea. It was probably mushroom tea they were drinking. I know why he would go visit him. He'd be like. Hey, Doc, you got any of that good stuff? I could use a little mind-opening experience over here. Oh, shit. Uh, I need my medicine, Doc. I just imagine you step into Stephen Strange's house and, like, you're just tripping. It doesn't even matter if you took anything. Like, things are just melting and spinning. There's, like, you're like, hey, there's a porthole over there. He's like, yeah, it's fine. I put it there. Just don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, don't worry about that yeah. shit. So through this, he meets this woman, Madam Web. Madam Web is this psychic who can kind of see the future. She's always connected. She's blind. She's connected to this machine. It's her life support system. So this storyline is so great. Nothing can stop the juggernaut. It's the first time Peter meets the juggernaut. The It's a two-part issue. It starts out with Madam Web having this dream of Peter fighting this big behemoth. And he's getting killed and, and she dies. And uh, she wakes up screaming. And she's like, something is coming for me. And there's only one person that can help me. And she calls Peter Parker. And he's sitting there. He's a grad student. He's, uh, he's sitting there and he's fallen he's asleep studying and the phone rings. And again, a great moment. Like little touches like this. To answer the phone, he does a little spider hop over and he's like upside down answering the phone. Now, <laughs> the guy could have just walked over and picked up the fucking phone. But no, you're Spider-Man. You do fun things like this. He's like, who the fuck is calling me? And she goes, Spider-Man, I need your help. He goes, oh, crap, who is this? She's like, you already forgot it's Madam Web. She's like, there's something coming. I don't know when it's going to come. Just I'll find you. He's like, okay, thanks for the FYI, Madam Web. Meanwhile, in New York Harbor, there's a boat on the way uh, piloted by one black Tom Cassidy, who is not black, by the way. He's a big Irish uh, guy. Baddie of the X-Men, I believe. Yes. And he's got a thick, he's got a thick brogue. Because uh, all of a sudden, uh, Kane Marco Juggernaut just slams in, shatters the door. He's like, Tom, why are we doing something? I'm bored. And he's like, take it easy, Kane. Like I told you before, you'll soon have all the action you crave. So he tells he tells Kane, he goes, look, I need you to get this woman, Madam Web. She can see the future. We're going to exploit her power and uh, make money. And he's like, that's it? You mean me to grab an old woman? This sucks. And then he promptly, they're not in the dock. He goes, where are you going? He goes, Pier 23. And then Juggy's like, I'll meet you there. And just jumps off the boat. Sinks to the bottom of the New York Harbor and proceeds to walk to New York. No problem. Yeah, because nothing can stop the juggernaut. Nothing can stop him. He's bored. He needs some exercise. So Madam Web now sees this guy coming out. She's like, oh, shit, I got to call Peter. Peter Peter is at the, the bugle, you know, with his old, there's all the drama. Betty Brandt comes back and the phone rings. His spider sense goes off. He goes, oh, that's for me. And Madam Web was like, Peter, he's coming out of Battery Park. Get over there. So Peter hoofs it down there. He doesn't know what to expect, though. It's so great. Juggernaut gets out. He's just walking through trees. He's swatting aside fucking uh, trucks and cars, just just walking, not stopping. Like, it's a slow, steady pace. Nothing is stopping him. And Peter sees his trail, and he's like, Wow, who's this? He's like, first he goes, is this a Submariner? He's like, I don't think I could handle the Submariner right now. He's pretty strong. I hope it's not the Submariner. And then he's like, wait, this is Hulk-level destruction. What is going on here? And he finally catches up with Juggy, and he's like, oh, big guy, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. No problem. I'm just going to knock him down. 
He leaps at his back, and I love it. He goes, foing. He's instantly deflected like 20 blocks away, and he's like, oh, crap. I would have fucking hit that wall if I wasn't ready. He tries to web him, and there's a force field. He can't touch him with the web. He's like, okay, now what? He's like, at least I can get in front of him. And then he webs up uh, between the buildings, blocks the street. Now, this narration is great because Juggy's just – he's still walking. He sees the web, nothing. He says a single – he says uh, the strength of this artificial webbing is astounding. A single strand is stronger than a piano wire. A small mat of webbing can keep a high-speed car rooted in place, yet the juggernaut rumbles on, stretching Spider-Man's webbing to the limit of its elasticity. And the webbing does not fail. It holds. The moorings, unfortunately, do not. He pulls the wet, like the bricks get pulled right out of the building. Juggernaut just keeps walking. He tries to put him in the sewer and fall down. He pops back up and just, he's just going. And Peter's like, uh, there's another great panel where he's all over him. Like, and, and he just, he's like, go, come on, go down already. What's the matter with you? Nothing. The guy's not budging. It re- it's reminiscent of uh, what they did with uh, the death of Superman. Yeah, it's just this unstoppable force. And then Juggy grabs onto Peter, walks him through a building. Like, you see his shot. He walks through a corner. He comes out the other corner. There's no Peter. Like, he scraped him off of him by walking through a building. Peter's like, he goes, oh, my whole body hurts. I can't believe he walked through the building. Uh, So, uh, and another great thing about this, Peter calls Madam Web. And, uh... He goes, uh, you're going to have to call the Avengers, the Fantastic Four. I don't – every time, the great stories, he's, he's always like, hey, are the Avengers around by any chance? And they're never available. And it's yeah, I might, need a, I might need a hand with this guy. Exactly. So she mentions something about the Sidorak. And he's like, I may have heard that. Can you call the Avengers? And so she tries to contact them. Of course, they're not around. And Peter goes to Strange. Strange isn't around either. But his companion uh, – what's this guy's name? Wong, manservant. It says faithful manservant Wong. Uh, is, yeah, Wong. Doc- well, yeah, Wong had a Doctor Strange thing. And so he goes, oh, yeah, there's a, the Sidorak is this thing. And he gives him all the information. And then Madam Web calls him right there. Like she knows wherever he is. It's, it's great. She's just following him around. She's like, there's nobody else coming. It's all you. And he goes, OK, MW, uh, don't lose hope. I'll be right over. Meanwhile, Juggernaut's just still going. The cops are shooting at him. Nothing. He's walking through the barricades. He just keeps walking. They blast him with, like, tanks and shit. Fucking nothing. He finally gets to Madam Web. There's some great lines. He finally gets to Madam Web's place. There's webbing everywhere. He's like, what's this? He's like, that blasted Spider-Man. He, he's already been here. How do you know where I was headed? He comes up. Spidey webs the front door and juices it to, uh, like, an electrical generator to kind of juice him. Uh, here's where it's stuff I love. Kane is standing outside the door. He's like, I've come for Madam Web. Open the door. From inside, Spider-Man goes, suck an egg, Juggy. <laughs> Geek mother. I love those lines. He's just, yeah. Who, who says that? He goes, but suck it, an egg, Juggy. But, you know, when you're reading this, the way it's written, it's not verbose. No. It's just to the point. Yes. It drives it. And there is like a... There's a narration going on. Yes, there's well. a there's a, a third party omniscient narrator. It's not like everything these days is first person. I miss the third person narration a little bit. I mean, you could get in there. I mean, you felt like it was Stan Lee telling you the yes, story. Yes, yes, you know, yes. No, you're like, right. It moves really good. It's not overly verbose. It's dude, just you can, enough. It's very straightforward, you, but good. 
you can get through one of these in one shit. Like not even like you could just sit down, plop a couple down, yeah. and then you'll be done. Like the dance lot ones from this time, I feel like I'll get through like three pages and my eyes hurt. Yeah, no, there's way too much reading. So Juggernaut gets there. He snatches Webb out of the chair, at which point she starts convulsing. And he's like, hey, what's wrong with this lady? And Spider-Man, he got beat down trying to stop him. He goes, she was a, that's her life support. She's going to die. And Juggernaut's like, ah, she's useless to me. He just drops her like dead weight and walks off. And Pete's like, what the fuck? Uh, he's like, I can't believe he was so ruthless. He gets at police. He's doing CPR on her while the, the EMS comes. And again, this is his conscience. We're going to get into this. What drives Peter responsibility or guilty? Uh, he thinks to himself, he as good as killed her. And it didn't mean a thing to him. He just dropped her like she was a side of beef or something. That lady asked me for help and I failed her. Just like I failed Uncle Ben and Captain Stacy and Gwen. They all died because of me because I screwed up. Maybe it was impossible to save Madam Webb. I never did understand how the clairvoyant powers of her worked. But impossible or not, this is like the last few panels of the first part, that doesn't let me off the hook. She may be dying right now, and it's my fault. Well, I'm not going to let Juggernaut get away with this. I'm going to find a way to stop that unstoppable human tank or die trying to be continued. Fucking beautiful. Like, right? Good pacing. So he failed at stopping the Juggernaut. Yes. And now the juggernaut's going to do some more shit. But did that stop him? He instantly turned around. He's like, I have to stop this guy. I mean, initially the conflict is over. Peter could just but let you him gotta go. you got to think about this too. Madam Webb is like a good analogy for Aunt May. Yes. Yes. He's an old woman. She's a know? psychic and Aunt May that has a little bit more power. But yes, a frail old woman. She even kind of looks like Aunt May. She does. Bit. She does. I mean, his whole life is him protecting people who that need that can't protect themselves. And 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 certain sometimes it doesn't. He sometimes he fails. Sometimes he fails, and it keeps him going. So this is one of the old. This is one of the one before he gets his black costume. Yeah, this is this is before because uh, he gets his black costume in two fifty two. This is issue two twenty nine. Two thirty. So yeah. two thirty comes back. He's swinging around the city. Uh, Juggernaut's headed back towards the water. I think back towards the boat. And he's like, I have to stop him. I don't know how to stop this guy. He first he slingshots a girder, you know, like a giant girder that weighs yeah. tons. He whips yeah, up a I little, beam. yeah, an I beam. He whips up a little spidey slingshot and right to his head. And fucking Juggy just catches it like it's nothing and crumples it up literally like it's made out of paper. Tosses it away, breaks into this construction site. Where this building is being made. Spider-Man's on top of the building, right? And Juggernaut's approaching the bottom. And he's like, why is my spider sense going off? He can't possibly hurt me from down there. At which point Juggernaut grabs the side of the building and pulls it off with Spidey on top of it. (laughs) So then Spidey sees a a wrecking ball. He's like, all right, let me try this shit. This is such a great panel because... There's a shot where he's just – it's in the air and he's spinning around like a 20-ton wrecking ball like nothing. Sends it hurtling right to Juggernaut who, again, backhands it like it's a, like it's a Nerf ball. So everything that he's doing Jesus at this Christ. point in time yes. is not working. So it, he backhands it into the building. The building gets knocked down around them. By the time Spider-Man has managed to dig himself out, he hears them go, oh, they both survived. And he's like, What? He goes, yeah, the other guy just got up and walked out of here. And you see, like, this trail. And you can't stop the juggernaut. And he's like, fuck, what am I going to do? Uh, meantime, remember Lance Bannon? 
No, I don't remember that Lance name. Lance Bannon was a sleazy photographer before, like, Ned Leeds. Before Eddie, before Eddie Brock, too. Before Eddie Brock. Lance Bannon was, like, the 80s Eddie Brock, and uh, he was trying to, like, scoop Peter a lot. And in one of these things... He does. So anyways, in the meantime, Kane uh, or Black Tom Cassidy is on the shore and he's got binoculars. He's like, he's like, where the fuck is Kane? What's taking him so long? And then he sees him. He's like, wait, where's the woman? And he's walking away. He's like, where's this guy going him? So Spider-Man is still following him and he accidentally, uh, he, oh, this is great. Of course. <laughs> All his web fluid runs out right at this moment. One hand goes out. One hand goes out, and he just manages to land. The other one goes out, and then he reaches for his belt, and he's like, ah, crap, they're all empty. Ah, uh, great. So he's on this truck. It's a gas truck, and the driver comes out with a crowbar. He goes, hey, get off my truck. You're a menace. I've read the Daily Bugle. This is so great. Another thing that I miss. He grabs the guy's crowbar, and he's telling him, you can read? What a surprise. He goes, give me that. He's like, look, pal. He goes, look, pal. I haven't had a good, very good day, and I'm in no mood for hassles. But despite what JJ and Jameson's stupid editorials say, I'm no menace, and I don't want any trouble from you. Believe me, if I did want trouble, I would. I could certainly dish it out. So don't push me, and I won't push you, okay? And he hands him back the crowbar. At which point, it's tied into a bow. He gives it back to him, and the guy runs off by. And then Pete's like, hey, come back here. You can't leave this gasoline truck. Gasoline truck? Hey, this is amazing. This whole two, this could be an awesome action movie, dude. These two issues, because Peter gets an idea. Uh, the Juggies in another construction yard, and Peter <laughs> takes this gasoline truck tanker, full speed, points it at Juggernaut, jumps out of the way, and it's a huge movie blockbuster oh, explosion. It's like most of the page. And Peter's like, holy crap, that was like the human torch. Like that was, like no one could have walked through that. And mean, and the meanwhile, offshore, Black Tom Cassidy is like, sweet mother of mercy. I don't think anything this side of an A-bomb could cause a blaze like that. He sees a huge explosion. Parker's like, He's behind a building. He goes, my costume was almost singed. It's like a blast furnace. There's, while he's going, there's no way anybody could possibly withstand that. Fucking but. juggernaut. Fucking, you see him emerge from the fire. He's on fire. He steps on a fire hydrant to douse him. And just, he hasn't missed a step, by the way. He no. Is, he, he, is not, he has not stopped walking. Nothing can stop this motherfucker. Finally, Peter jumps on him because he's realized that the helmet, the amulet and the helmet is kind of his power. He's trying to take his helmet off, but it's been welded on. So he goes, I just welded the helmet on, buddy. Don't worry about it. Uh, he's uh, Oh, it's so great. He's on him struggling. He covers up his eyes so he can't walk him through a building again. But then uh, Juggernaut just grabs the back of his costume and start because he's on his back. He tears his costume off and he's pounding on him. He's pounding on him. This is, again, a great motivation. He's walking. He's blinded. He's pounding at him. He goes, he's thinking, he'll, uh, Juggernaut goes, go ahead, hang on to me. Hang on until I pound the life out of you. And in, <laughs> in, in Peter's head, he goes, he'll do it too, but I won't give up. I won't let go. If this is the only way to stop him, even for just a while, I have to do it. I owe it to Madam Webb, to all the people who depend on guys like me. That's my responsibility. Got to hold on, but it hurts. Oh, man, it hurts. I mean, that's it in a nutshell right there. Motherfucker does not give up. So while they're stumbling around, Juggy can't see. Suddenly, they realize that they've come across a wet foundation of concrete. 
Uh, Spidey leaps off at the last moment. He goes, congratulations, you stumbled right into recent wet cement. He's like, looks like I finally got a way to hold you. And Juggernaut's like, what do you mean? Come back here. He's like, it's a whole me you were wrong. I'm the Juggernaut. I smashed cement. Wet cement, Juggy? You look like a man in quicksand. It doesn't matter when I touch the bottom. Bottom is 40 feet down. That They pour pretty deep foundations when they build this close to the river. It still doesn't matter. I'm the juggernaut you hear. I can't be stopped. I don't need air. I don't need. And he goes under. And then Spidey's like, that may be, Juggy. That just may be. But I'm betting by the time you bust out of there, if you can, the authorities will have come up with a way to hold you. So he sinks to the bottom of this foundation. And now a little break. There's a little break here for Peter. He goes, what's the, he, he's like, my stomach's growling. That can't be my stomach. And he realized that he accidentally triggered his camera on his belt to take photos at the right moment when Juggernaut, at, with the blast of the explosion, and when Juggernaut was sinking, he rushes into the Daily Bugle. His face is all bruised. He's trying to hide his face. He runs past Lance Bannon, who is thinking, I, I didn't get any photos, but nobody else did. Like, he got... And, and Peter runs in and gives him these awesome photos and makes Bannon look like an ass, like right in front of him. And then he runs Fuck out. you, Bannon. Yeah. Lan- what a great name. Lance Bannon. And then he, he rushes over to the hospital to see Madam Webb. And it's kind of sad. She's okay. She's, She's okay, but she doesn't remember anything. She doesn't remember that who he is or that she, who, or, or who, that she asked for his help. And he's frustrated because... He was always afraid that she knew who he was, right? Right. So he goes, she's been paralyzed for years. Her mind, her psychic powers were all she had. What if they're gone too? She always made me uneasy, and I didn't like the fact that she knew I was Spider-Man, but I never wanted it to end like this. So now he's all conflicted. He helped this woman, but she doesn't remember. He didn't want her to be in the state. Meanwhile, Black Tom Cassidy, he's still looking at the construction site. He's like, all right, Kane. All right, boyo. Any minute now. Hours pass by. It's dark. He's like, I don't understand what's a keeping the boy. After all, nothing can hurt him, as far as I know. Surely he can dig his way out from under a few thousand tons of cement. Ha, sure he can. Any second now. I know he can, can't he? We are left at the end. It says the end for now. But you never see Juggernaut come out of that cement. You don't know if he ever comes out of that cement. It's, I'm sure he does. He just fucking digs his way out. But I know? love how they left that there. Like, what a great story. Wouldn't that make a great movie? I know. They, he just annoyed the juggernaut to death. Like, yeah, he, well, to, he didn't die, but like he just basically made you know made him inert. Like, what a great unstoppable. And there's another one where, like, the, the ones I, I realized the stories I liked about Spider-Man back in the day was when some of these were when he was fighting these uh, these villains that were he was completely outmatched. Like Thunderball or like the Juggernaut, and he had to think his way out. Yeah, there was a lot of like you know crazy bad guys. You know, you had you know I remember like uh, of course the Tarantula. If you don't yeah. know what the Tarantula, he's like this Mexican Spider-Man, or I don't know, is he Mexican? Yeah, I or think he was. Spider-Man. And he has like little like uh, like stingers on his feet. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Hobgoblin was a big dude in that in that time. Uh, what about Puma? Did you like Puma? Oh, uh, the Puma, you know, he, he fought Spider-Man and, like, fucked up his shoulder. Yeah. Rugbo, you got you want to give us a little backstory on Puma? I believe I have his first appearance right here. Is it issue 256? Okay, let's see here. Ah, <laughs> yes. First appearance, Amazing Spider-Man 256, 1984. I am holding it in my hands. Uh, by the way, that last storyline, I forgot to mention the Who Stopped the Juggernaut. Uh, the creative team on that was... 
Roger Stern writing, John Romita Jr., and Jim Mooney on art, which is great. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 256 was his first appearance. It's this guy. Um, basically, there was this guy called the Rose. He was like a, he was like a kind of like a gang leader. Oh yeah, it was part. The All Rose right. was a part of this. Yes, Thomas Fireheart, who was the Puma, was like this uh, millionaire businessman too. Native American dude. Yeah, he was Native American, and he got Puma powers somehow. The Kasani. And, uh, yeah, it was like maybe it was in his blood or something. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the Rose hires him to to kill Spider Man because the Rose wanted Spider Man out of the way. So, what was his powers? He was he looked human, but then no, he's like a werewolf, but like a Puma werewolf. He turns into like a Puma cat warrior. Yeah, so it's like Wolverine ish, you yeah. know. He got claws, like saber tooth ish. But he you know? he like meditates and can control like when he's a, a human and when he's this Puma. And uh, basically, uh, at this time in uh, Spider Man history. Spider-Man's dealing with the black cat a lot. Like she's like a, a uh, she's kind of like a, not a good guy, not a bad guy. She works for like various mobs and dan- gangs and she's into crime, but she's also helped Spider-Man out. So Spider-Man actually needs the black cat to help him yeah. fight off the Puma. Yeah. And this is during his black symbiote uh, costume saga years. Also, she has fantastic bad luck powers that just conveniently come in handy right when you need it. So basically, uh, they fight, and uh, it's it's not like an easy fight for Spider Man. And it was only like a, I think it was this was a two issue. thing? This too. was a two issue thing. So in the first part, uh, the my favorite part, and I'm just gonna, it's towards the end. Um, like you said, the Rose has sent Fireheart to go get Spider Man. Fireheart's there, and he's sitting on the corner of a building, and he's uh, he's 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 focusing all of his senses to find Peter Scent. The one set. And he goes, I got it. And he, he's off. Now, he sees him swinging. Peter is deep in thought, as usual, thinking about things like Aunt May. I just can't think of a way to patch things up between me and Aunt May. That woman practically raised me. She's always been on one of the cornerstones of my life. So he's do- tossing thought. And, he, and Puma sees him. He's like, so that's Spider-Man, yeah? He's, and he goes, he's disappointed. He's like, I thought he would have been something more powerful. Eh, let me test him out. He rips this pipe out of the roof. And flings it right at Peter. And it's the way the panels are drawn is so great. This art team, this is, by the way, this is Tom DeFalco writing Ron Friends penciling. I love the way Ron Friends drew black Spider-Man costume. He's he's amazing. So Yeah, Ron Friends is great. Yeah. So we see Peter swinging. His spider sense is going off. This pipe is getting closer to him. But he's not reacting. He's still deep in thought. And then suddenly he goes, hey, my spider sense, what the? And he ducks out of the way of like, it's a missile at this point. Because he threw it so hard. He goes, yeah, whatever that thing was, I barely ducked it. I was so totally lost in thought that I didn't even notice my spider sense buzzing. And he's falling because he let go of his web. And he's kind of panicky Pete right now. Because I'm like, why don't you just shoot a web? He doesn't think about that. He's like, I got to try to slow my fall. He reaches out for the building. As he's falling, you know, his hand scrapes at one point and bounces. And then it finally sticks to the wall and grabs him. But except Spider-Man pendulum swings, slams into the wall. Turns out, <laughs> by doing this, he dislocated his shoulder right there. Yeah. Now, he's on the roof in so much pain. He's like, whoever attacked me is still out there. I got to get moving. His spider sense is going off, but he's like delirious. He's like, never knew anything could just hurt so much. Just want to roll into a ball and die, but I can't. I got to brace myself. I got to try to shove my arm back into place. 
He's coiled up against a, a chimney, a brick chimney. He's trying to push it in. He's like, it's no use. The pain is too great. But he's like, no, I can't give up. Again, if I die here, Aunt May will never know how much I still love her. He's like, I don't care how bad it feels. He finally pops it in. Like, he extends his body, demolishing this brick chimney into bricks. But he gets the arm in and promptly passes out. At which point, the puma, it's the last panel. The puma's on him. He goes, the pain is too much for him. He's helpless, crippled. A victory like this brings little satisfaction to me. But Spider-Man must die. And so he shall beneath the claws of the puma. I love that. I love that moment. I'll never forget him shoving his arm back into his socket. And, and Yeah, and that's, no, I remember that part. Oh, so good. But, like, does that happen these days now? Does Is there that kind of, like, human... Uh... No, stuff these, happening these days. Well, there is and there isn't these days. Everything is all crazy with secret wars and stuff. Let's get into a little bit why we don't like now and what what would we do with the character? Well, let's like just let's just rattle off some of the things that the storyline. So you got. Yes, we talked about the first clone saga. We talked about the fact that he gets the black costume yes. and that leads to Venom. Yeah. And that leads to Carnage. So the, all those things are related. You have the gang war gang where Kingpin war, yeah. is trying to kill, kill him off and Silvermane and the, the Hammerhead, all these crazy like uh, mobster, like yeah. bad guys that were like street level criminals. Yep. So it was really gritty. And then like uh, Punisher and Daredevil get involved because uh, he wants to take them out too. Yeah. You have like issues where Spider-Man and the Punisher are like fucking are fucking in him. And then you got the uh, the death of Gene DeWolf, the Sin Eater one. I mean, that yeah. is like a crazy <sighs> That is such a great, uh, you know, dark Spider-Man story. That, That's you fucking know? serious. That is serious. That touches on so many topics and social. They don't really talk, talk on, t- touch on these social topics anymore. Yeah, we're like, this is the first time we're like, Spider-Man's not fighting a guy in his underwear. It's like a guy. Well, he has a kind of a costume. They made it more costumey. He's just a straight uh, up psychopath. He's like a guy in a ski mask just walks around blowing people away with a shotgun. Yeah. We talked about this. If you go back and listen to Essential Spider-Man reading list, it was one of my recommended stories because it is just – it's a different story. The the, pro, the protagonist – the thing starts with a unceremonial death of Detective Jean DeWolf. Like she's shot in, in, her, in her bed while she's sleeping at point blank range by a sawed-off shotgun. I remember that shit being very, very like hardcore yeah. at that time. Yeah, and uh, then you know they follow it up with like Craven's Last Hunt. Oh and, man! That... And then you got you know Captain Universe Spider Man. You got you even know the af- wedding. Yeah, even after so Craven's Last Hunt was so great. Even after that, they did these kind of. Remember, there was a storyline where he was in a mental institute for a couple of issues. There was the Where Is Spider Man? He was just missing. Yeah, he was like, uh, like, just like uh, homeless almost. Yeah, at one point, yeah, he was just not showering. <laughs> it was, really, it was like he was like Rock Boy. Oh shit! Oh my god! Yeah, we got, was... We got to talk about issue two sixty two when they did fun things. I want to talk about issue two sixty two, uh, listener. There's a link in the show notes. This is a very unique issue, and the one, the minute you see it, you'll know why. It is from nineteen eighty five, and. That it has a photo cover. When was the last yeah. time you have a photo cover? Not only that, it's a photo cover of Peter Parker mid-change, and a photographer snaps a photo of him. 
Yeah. Did you uh, was do you think this was uh, in connection to that Canon film that was supposed to come out in 1985 or 1986 yes, or something y- like that? Yes, it was. And here's the story with this guy. The guy playing Spider-Man, his name is Scott Leva. He was an actor. And he was actually in 1987 when the rights were at Canon and they, they had a, uh, uh, the, a couple of scripts. Uh, you know, there was a rumored James Cameron script, I think. There's other scripts. He was tapped by Cameron to play Peter Parker. In the adaptation of the comic. But they used him on this cover for some reason. Also, to I think it was probably going to tie into the movie had the movie ever come out. It was like a teaser. But yes. like I remember when I used to go into the comic book stores, there was this big poster. It says, coming soon. And there was like a picture of Spider-Man like flying over yes. the city. Yes, the Carol Cole. And it was like. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the movie poster. It was yes. like a preview poster. There was a and the te- movie never came out. No, that was that was the biggest fucking tease ever. But you're right. Lame. Uh, I will put a link to that poster too, because for for a second there in the late '80s, you were Ooh. like, "Oh, we might get a Spider-Man movie." But I I don't think they would have been able to pull that shit off at the time back then. It would have looked like shit. Yeah, but you know. We were waiting for it. It never came out. And I was just like, I uh, had a huge geek boner yeah. and uh, I got blue balls. <laughs> oh, shit. So this 262 is great. It's another one where Peter's in the airport and he's changing and he ignores. Um, he has a mild buzz and he's so deep in thought he ignores it. And you see you meet the sleazeball photographer in the beginning uh, who his name is. Uh, he's got a great like Italian name. Um but you see him bump into a woman by accident, but he really pickpocketed her. He's just a sleazeball. And he walks into this room to, like, go through her wallet, and it's a storage room. And he sees Peter right there with his – he's got jeans on, and he's just taking his gloves and his head, his mask off. And the guy raises his camera, takes a picture, and runs. And Peter's like, ah, crap. And he jumps out into the hall like that. He's like, oh, wait, I can't do this. And he goes back, puts on his Spider-Man gear. He's trying to chase this guy. This guy's smart. He's causing all types of disturbances and distractions. That guy gets away. Peter's like, no! He's like, what the fuck? And now the next page, there's a great... great, Both of them are are having these thought bubbles. And it's a great juxtaposition. Because on the one side, the sleazy reporter is like, what do I do with these photos? I can't sell them to... Who can I sell? Who will pay the most? He's like, can I sell them to a gang, the kingpin? He decides he wants to set up a meeting with some thugs to sell them. What an the- right. He's such a jerk. Worst he- thing to do. Yes. He's just asking for trouble. He wants a payday. Meanwhile, Peter is like, after years of protecting yourself from all sorts of super baddies, you let some two-bitch shutterbug snap your mug? If he posts those pictures on the street, someone is bound to recognize me. And then he's thinking about what happens if he sells it to the newspaper? What about Aunt May? Jameson is finally going to know who I am. I he I gotta move fast. I gotta find this guy. But then he's like, "What am I gonna do when I catch him?" He doesn't know. So Peter gets a lead. Peter actually goes to Ben Urich, and this guy knows this sleazy photographer. He goes, "I have an address. I don't know if he's there, but you could check it out." And he's like, "Pete's like, well, a lead is a lead. That's fine." Meantime, this sleazy guy is at a bar. He's going to he he he's so unsure. He's like, I have some information, uh, you guys, if you want. I can sell it to you for maybe a million dollars. Then he's like, I know who Spider-Man is. They throw him out of the bar right away. They're like, get the fuck out of here. But they tell their boss, this guy came in, and their boss is like, uh, I think uh, you should go get that information. It might come in handy. Basically, he doesn't want to pay. So in the meantime, Peter's heading to this guy's apartment. This guy gets home. The guys follow him, and they bust in, and they're like, all right, what's the information? Give me the information. 
He's like, oh, I was kidding about the million. How about uh, 200,000? Like, he's still negotiating with these fucking gangsters. When at the right moment, Spider-Man bursts in because he knew where he was. Of course. Yes. Of course. He was right on his way. So Spidey's fighting the bad guys. The fucking photographer gets away again. This guy's really slimy. He he slips him so many times. He goes down the fucking fire escape. Peter's like, "Uh, Jones, uh, ah, shit, where'd he go? So now he's got to keep finding... The guy, Jones, runs. So Jones is in the alley. He runs into the rest of the mob, and they're at a standstill. And Peter is up on the roof, and he sees him. This is such a great moment. He sees the mob. He sees Jones. He goes, Jones is in big trouble down there. All I'd have to do is not do anything. Then my secret be safe. He's like, tough talk. I can't just turn my back on Jones while the Acme Goon Squad cleans his clock. Much as I'd like to, I've got too great a response, a sense of responsibility for that. And then it goes into the whole, he tells the whole story. He thinks about Uncle Ben. He thinks about the fact that he let him go. He's like, uh, this is all my fault. And then he goes, I know what I have to do. All I need is a plan. So his plan is to jump down there with his spider light, but to act like really creepy. Like he's a monster. Like he's an actual mutated monster. His dialogue changes. He goes, these guys are about to get him. And he turns the light on. He goes, no, no one steals Spider-Man's intended prey. And he jumps down, and the guy's like, holy cow. And his he, the dialogue's great. He goes, Jones has incurred my wrath. You shall not save him from my vengeance. And the one thug is thinking, save him? What? And they're fighting. And he's like, all right, you hoods. Gone too far. You will learn this the hard way. Uh, and he's just trying to intimidate them. He doesn't think it's going to work. Finally, he gets all of them. Again, the photographer almost gets away. He webs the alley closed. Spider-Man's crawling down. He's like, now you shall pay for your foolish curiosity. The guy's like, you're not human. I'm not human. Humans are my prey. Because he means to kill me. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to run, Jones. There's nowhere to hide. I lurk in every shadow. And he's just fucking with him. And he's like, you know what I want? And uh, he gives him the thing. He goes, very well, foul one. I show mercy, but once the next time our paths cross, you shall not escape me. Remember that always. And he goes, well, what do you know? It worked. Lamont Cranston, eat your heart out. Who the, <laughs> who the fuck is that? That shit would never happen now because everybody's got cell phone cameras. You know how hard it must right. be to keep your secret identity now? Who the fuck is Lamont Cranston? I don't know. It, it, it's maybe, a strange 1984 reference. I know Lamont Sanford. And then, yeah, that's who I thought it was. The epilogue is this this uh, photographer. He's like, well, Jake, you really made a mess of this one. But then he's like, I've seen his face. How hard can it be for me to find a single face in New York City? And it just like pans back and it's like on a crowded sidewalk. And he's like, how hard can it be? I can find him. The guy's a fucking idiot. It was great. Yeah. Great story. I mean, but I miss all that 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 kind of feeling. Because you never knew what you were going to get from like week to week or month to month. Like you had, okay, we didn't even discuss this. It's like we had a bunch of different Spider-Man titles. We had The Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. And then we had two new titles. Web of Spider-Man started like maybe like in 1980-something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. late 80s. And, and and then there was Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. Which they split up uh, when that's when things got really diluted. But then there was Marvel Team-Up. But they were solid. I th- always thought Peter Parker, spectacular Spider-Man started in 1971. Amazing. And Web were great. And back when there was Marvel Team-Up, that was like the fourth uh, another there was Spider-Man not a weak book. book. No. Every book no. was good. Yes. Like, I like, I liked uh, that. There's a certain thing that happened like around the ni- 90s where the, where like you're like Amazing Spider Man was clearly better than the other two books. Yeah. 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 But during those times, they were all good. 
and they had great artists in each book and uh they all had like a different focus like web of spider-man was more um like about there's smaller stories they were more intimate yeah, smaller there were very small intimate stories uh peter parker was more about the supporting cast yeah and amazing spider-man was more like superhero-y like superhero heroic uh yeah big storylines yeah the things like stuff. that yeah. So like all the stuff with the Avengers and stuff like whatever would be happening and amazing. All the street level stuff would be happening in like Web of Spider-Man yeah. and shit like that. The smaller stories. Um, you had great artists like let's just throw out throw down some of these artists that you know, we had. Of course, uh, we had uh, Bob McCloud, who did uh, who did uh, Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, yeah. Well, that was Mike Zek. Oh, no. But also Bob oh, McCloud. Both, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, and Mike Zek. And then you also had Ron Friends. Ron Friends is so good. It's it's just so, like, realistic and, like, you know, proper, like, good anatomy and uh, not exaggerated. Like, that's my other uh, – some of the art that, you know, the Humberto Ramos and uh, – they're all great. But it's almost to the point of cartoony, graffiti, exaggerated. Yeah. I think that Spider-Man is becoming like more like Mad Magazine. Like I always talk about Deadpool being like Mad Magazine. Like it's like a parody of, yeah, of, yeah. A, of a character. Yeah. And I think Spider-Man is a caricature of himself now in the new comics. He's, He's yeah. not like just look at the, the, the reality of the artist. Like just take Mark Beecham, Mike Zek. Like yeah. Mark Beecham, like he's this guy that had a very short career like. Uh, he started. He he went and did penthouse comics, and he does porn comics and stuff oh. now. He he does weird stuff. But Mark Beecham was known for drawing like the hottest chicks. He was like a Bill Sienkiewicz meets, yeah. um, like uh, maybe like Mike Zek meets Bill Sienkiewicz kind of thing, like realistic in everything. Yeah. Um, I love that guy's artwork. I remember. I still remember. Like he they did this thing with the Silver Sable, um. and. And, and people were right. I used to read the letters page and people were like, he draws the highest, hottest girls. There was one where like there was a Santa Claus story that he drew where Santa Claus was like a was like a was a robber. He was a burglar. Oh, I think I remember he would that. burglarize people's houses. Yeah. And, and Mark Beecham drew that. And shit was well drawn as hell, man. And I, I don't know what that guy's doing now, but he was he was he was cool. I always want to throw a shout out to him because I don't know if he was uh not not the uh, most uh, reliable artist or something. Yeah, I, he he should have had a great career. Maybe he didn't like working for the man. I don't know. Well, listen, if we're gonna talk Mark Beecham, then we gotta talk about a certain character that was introduced in Peter Parker: The Spectacular Spider-Man Annual Five and Number Six. The annuals were insane. The annuals the, were crazy. About, yeah, there was actually one a- annual about what if Peter Parker. Uh, uh, stop the killer from killing Uncle Ben or something. There was there was one a, a what kind of like it was a, like a uh, what if? No, I, I, I let me tell you right now. Hold oh, on I see, second. I see the uh, Peter Parker Spectacular Spider Man one twelve was the Santa Claus uh, with a gun issue by Mark Beecham. There was an issue that it was a uh, Amazing Spider Man two hundred uh, double sized. Oh, two hundred yes. Where Spider Man went up against the burglar that killed. Uh, Uncle Ben. Whoa. Do I have that? I might not have 200. What happened in that one? I don't know. But and then like uh, that was double. It's a double size. I thought it was an annual for a second. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, that is. a. Oh, I see that. That's a classic. Yeah, I remember this one. 
Um, anyway, let's get back to what the fuck were we talking about? Uh, that uh, is oh, to say, oh, look, things are silly now, but things were silly back then in a different way. Listener, at one point, so there was a character introduced, in the, and it was weird. It was only in the annuals. They say annuals will come out once a year. So yeah. This was character like- was in annual five and six, and this character's name was A. Spencer. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can't miss the picture. It's the guy that looks like a combination of Prince and Spider-Man. Uh, no, it's Prince and I mean, Michael Prince Jackson. Prince and Michael Jackson, sorry, who was in Spider-Man. That's what I was talking – when we were talking about this, I was like, do you remember that guy that looked like Spider-Man that drove a motorcycle? And I was like, like uh, yeah, what was his name? And you remembered it was Ace Spencer. What was his story? Yeah. He had powers, and he was like a gang leader. And uh, at first, he was like Spider-Man's enemy, and then he became his like partner or like a friend at, at one point. And why did he look like Michael Jackson? I think that they were going to – they were trying to draw him to look like Mark Beecham or maybe Mark Beecham drew him to look like himself. Was he the – art? who was the artist on this On thing? that was – okay, let me – he's a Latino and a mutant. Created by Peter David, Mark Beecham, Josef Rubenstein. Yes. Uh, first appearance, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man Annual, number five, 1985. A. Spencer grew up in poverty in the slums of New York, people. His mother was forced to become a bedridden while Ace was a teenager. Ace raised his brother and sister on his own. At some point, Ace joined a gang called the Reapers. Remember the Reapers? Yeah, the Reapers. And, it, was a, it was like a bike gang. Yeah, he's got a big chopper, and he eventually went on to become the leader of the Reapers. Uh, and then he got, like, weird... Undisclosed, undefined superpowers. He was just like strong and fast and had good reflexes, but nobody could realize, nobody knew why. And he had a danger sense. He, what? It was like a spider sense? Yeah, I think actually one time he actually wore the Spider Man costume, if I'm not, if I'm right. So since he found work as a freelance security guard, he witnessed a gang shooting by his brother who had joined the Reapers. And the cops came looking for him and Spider-Man. Spider-Man ultimately confronts Ace, fights him, confronts Ace of his responsibility to help and kind of flips him to save his brother. Yeah. A danger sense, which allows him to anticipate disaster. Isn't that just a spider sense? Yeah. But he does not, he does not, he does not crawl the walls. It says presumably because danger sense is similar to that of Spider-Man's, Ace's powers cancel out that of Spider-Man's. He's a skilled street fighter. But hilarious. I thought I had this, but I have an annual uh, – I have the next but one, like, seven. In, in what fucking earth you would think that they would make a, a, bad, a bad guy out of Michael Jackson <laughs> he and looks... give him like Spider-Man powers or Spider-Man-like powers? Yes. That's it's, crazy shit, dude. It's so – hey, that's just as silly as what Slot is doing right now. Come on. Yeah, but they only did it in the annuals, two issues. Right. It, it wasn't like it wasn't, wasn't a, yeah. it wasn't an eight month extravaganza of bullshit. Yeah. It wasn't like it's a small doses. <laughs> you can deal with it. But it wasn't silly, dude. If you read this comic, it's serious. Ace, yeah. even though he looks silly, because yeah. everybody looks silly in the eighties. Yeah. But like it was a real story. It wasn't like a funny story. No. It was like he was there was a fucking gang leader on a bike. I know, and he's fucking and, with him. And like and it was just still black costume Spider Man, but yeah, the Sp- a. Spencer is great. I totally forgot. It is a it's silly – it should be mentioned because uh, yes. I don't think anybody ever talks about a. Spencer. So no, like the first it's very it. of its era. But, yeah, man, like you said, I miss all these classic villains like Scorpion and Tombstone. And uh, we said Puma, Silvermane. Uh, 
they were just there was a lot of depth to these characters, and I feel like they're kind of gonna uh, they're they're blowing it and not bringing these guys back. And during this era, also there was a lot of Daredevil in Spider-Man, yes. Punisher, yes. Black Cat, Silver yes. Sable. Yes, uh, the Silver Sable was like this chick who was like a, a mercenary. Yeah, and Spider-Man would work with the Silver Sable yeah. on different missions right she would kind of like subcontract yeah and they had a little thing too didn't they yeah they had so spider-man was like hooking up with uh the black cat he was hooking up a silver sable you know he you know he wasn't married yet he wasn't uh he was still kind of a bachelor you know Uh, it was a good time um cloak and dagger you know remember that dagger was a great team up i loved when on spider and uh peter and felicia would just like steal a kiss half mask up on the rooftop and he would like leave. And there was like, that tension was so great. Yeah. They like, like, uh, Spider-Man was, uh, the thing that Felicia Hardy was attracted to. She was not attracted to Peter Parker. She was actually, Peter Parker comes with a lot of, a lot of baggage, you know, the ant and the, this and the, that she, she wanted, they just, she wanted the, the hero, you know? I love that. Like so, Spider-Man was a turn on and like him as Peter was a complete turn off. It was the opposite of geek boner for her. <laughs> yeah. So you had all that crazy shit happening. I mean, like, give me one thing from the past 10 years that even rivals any of this shit. There isn't. There's just only in scale, only in scale, because you have a fucking 12 issue thing that makes it an epic story. But if you just boil the stories down to are they good stories, like, yeah. like explain, you know, like. How many of them are about Spider-Man? How many of them mean anything? Like this shit changed everything. Like that black costume changed Spider-Man forever. Yeah. The fact that he got married changed Spider-Man forever. Yeah. The fact that all this shit, even the Craven's last hunt made Spider-Man more of a better, you know, I mean, that was almost all all, like it's dark Knight uh, returns of Spider-Man to yeah. just give it more uh, depth and, and, and gravitas and, and, and more stakes. And you're right. It's that tone where it's silly comic booky shit, but the way it's presented is, is sincere. It's earnest. It's earnest and you buy it. You don't, Yes, you 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 buy right into it. Whereas now, it's fucking it's can't, like can't be in silly as shit. Like you put it this way: the, if you're gonna give a voice to like the dance lot Spider Man, it's like Jim Carrey's voice. All right, yeah. And if you have, it's if the you mask. have, a, yeah, yeah. It's like if you have a, a voice to the the old Spider Man, it's more you could see it being narrated by somebody with some like you know. You know, some timber in his voice, you know, like telling a real story of Spider-Man. You know, it's like I hate to say Morgan Freeman's voice. <laughs> I'm Peter Parker. I well, no, not <laughs> just like the narration, just the, like what the tone is. It's yeah. like or it's, like, it's not silly. It's like yeah. somebody's trying to tell you like an old man telling you like a, a story. I love you know? you're right. It's always it's Stanley telling you the story. Hey, listen, yeah. that's a great segue. Uh, we're going to get into what we don't like about slots spider-man now and what we would do with the character right after a couple of messages put that coffee down calling all film fans want to add a little more fun to your podcast diet well why not listen to the 365 flicks podcast where the lads from smallville uk we love to bring you the latest news our own special brand of meaningless movie nonsense as well as a bunch of top fives you really won't care about 
I'm Kev. I'm Chris. We're pissy. We're fanboys. We're having another beer. We are the 365 Flex Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Podomatic, and many, many others. Also look for us on musingsofageek.com and wickedradionetwork.com. Sick of listening to all those overpaid movie critics? Then tune into the 365 Flex Podcast, your vocal heroes of pissy opinion. Do you like superheroes? Do you like comics? Do you like film? Do you like comics and films about superheroes? Well, then you're in luck because we here at A Place to Hang Your Cape have everything for you. We've got reviews. We've got interviews. We've got list articles. We've even got a few videos coming up. Anything you could possibly want that's relating to superheroes, we have A Place to Hang Your Cape, where superheroes go to hang their cape. The name is self-explanatory, really. I don't know why I have to explain it, but there you go. Find it at ap2hyc.com. The H stands for H. (laughs) (laughs) The H. The Jock and Ned Podcast. Growing Up Spider-Man continues with... Our thoughts. Rugboy is not a Dan Slott fan, listener. And if you well, don't know, Dan Slott's been writing Spider-Man for like the last uh, how many years? Five, six, seven years. Setting yeah. Things up. Well, the thing is, I was buying Spider-Man up until like uh, I'm going to say Spider-Verse was beginning. So I have all the superior Spider-Mans. I have Spider-Island. I have all that stuff. But I have not read them because when I read them. I'm like, this is just not, it just turns me off. I'm like, I feel like I'm like, it's a chore to read. I feel like number one, it's like Dan Slott's very, like he, he loves, it's like a guy who loves to hear the sound of his own voice. Yeah. He loves to hear himself. Like he just, he doesn't understand that. Like there's a marriage between the artist and the writer and the art's going to do some of the exposition there, you know? And he's, and uh, I feel like that his tone is off. And I, I don't think like he's bad for everything, but I just think for Spider-Man, some people like him, but I think that they lost sight of what Spider-Man should be. It's gotten too too out there. Like I, I said, uh, I mentioned in the past, I appreciated his uh, his creativity and his his uh, just these wild ideas. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, this is just like it's just as wacky as the Clone Saga. Like it's the same shit, really. Like it's not about Peter. It's kind of diluting everything further. Yeah, I think what you're doing is what he's been doing. It's not only his writing style I don't like. I don't like the way he writes, period. Like, I don't like to start, like, I feel like that's a chore to read. And he's cramming in jokes that don't fit in places. And, and he's going out of his way to make, like, you know, there, there's never, like, a tone of where I feel like that there's, like, a, a reality. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But it's lost that feeling of, uh, realism and i'll agree in superior in that run of superior spider-man there are certain issues in there where there's a fuck ton of shit going on and you even forget that like oh this happened and this like so many things happen yeah it just seems like yeah it's like watching transformers like it's like there's too much shit thrown at you yeah your your mind can't even process this shit. it is the opposite of decompressed writing if there ever was one well, it's decompressed because it, it's stretched it, out over yeah. a fucking fuckload of issues. But, but act, there's just so much shit. Dense. You can't enjoy the moment. Let's bask in some stuff every right, once in right. a while. Um, uh, what, like, 
you're exactly right. He's good on Silver Surfer right now, I got to say. But what I miss from these these books that I've described to you, listener, is there is a balance of art and word balloons. It's One is uh, supporting the other. But then the moments, those little moments where you can just stop and – uh, and and embrace the the idea or the conflict or the resolution. Those days are gone because it's just boom, boom. Here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. Oh, that happened. Here's the next thing. Like it only took me like six issues or seven issues in to to like start hating reading Spider Man at that time, and then all of a sudden, wow, I was like forcing myself to read, and then I was like, I'm not liking this anymore. Oh, I agree. And I just and I just dropped it, and then people are like. You didn't read Superior Spider-Man? And I'm like, oh, it sounds like a great idea. And then when I go to read it, I'm like, the idea is great, but I don't like reading it. Listen, you verbalized what this is. Uh, this is what I've had. I've been feeling and I haven't been able to pinpoint. What... Like if you're telling me the story of Superior Spider-Man, I like it. Right. But when I read it, I don't <laughs> like it. Do you understand what I mean? No. Yes, yes, yes. I'll tell you why. Because like you said, when I, I, when I started back, I didn't like the tone. It was campy. But – what you said has verbalized everything for me because after a while, it was like I was I was forcing myself to read it just because this is the Spider-Man. I want to read Spider-Man. I have no other choice. If I want Spider-Man, I have to read the Spider-Man. And it did become a chore for a little bit, for a while. But why do you think people like like this? Like they're I don't know. still doing it. Okay. Why do you think people like so, it? So let's bring the reader up to speed at the current state of Spider-Man real quick. There might be slights. Spoilers. So beware. Now, the, so there's a couple of things at play here. The Amazing Spider-Man, the the title ended at issue 700, at which point it was picked up by Superior Spider-Man. That only went about uh, 31 issues, at which point they did the Spider-Verse thing. But did they reboot the numbers? I can't remember. Anyways, all of that led into Secret Wars. So now this the Marvel is in their little playground where they're kind of playing with their nostalgic periods of time that fans loved and giving them a world. For example, right now there's a title called Civil War, and it's a part of the battle world. So they all live on this battle world, and they're all based off of old storylines. Civil War storyline and Civil War never ended. That's still going on. There's multiple versions. It's really confusing. So in the Amazing Spider-Man whatever continuity, his title is Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. And this is the, the storyline where he's married to Mary Jane. They have a kid and he's quit being Peter and the kid has powers, yada, yada, yada. It's fun. It's crazy. But that is going to end. All this is going to end. And apparently, according to uh, Matt Delhauer, who we had on the last show, and I wasn't aware that they're doing this to clean house for their Marvel Comics move to the West Coast so they can – Start everything at number one again, which they're going to do. So, Amazing Spider-Man is going to come back. Now, here's where Peter is in his life. The one thing that Doc Ock did, the smartest thing, was break up with Mary Jane. He saw her. He's like, look, Peter's love and relationship, this is a weakness. This is what keeps him back. I got to nip this thing in the bud. So, the first thing he does is break up with Mary Jane. Very smart. However... Being human, he ends up falling prey to the same thing. He falls in love with Anna Marconi, which ultimately leads to his undoing because that reasonable, rational mind gives way to his love and the fact that he wants to save this woman and the only person that can do this is Peter, not him, which is kind of poetic. It's kind of beautiful. Well, they tried to get rid of Mary Jean a bunch of times. Remember, she went away on a plane. Yeah. She went away to L.A., blah, blah, blah. Well, this – yeah. So, yeah. So, basically what he does is uh, 
uh, Mary Jane's club is in trouble, and he sends the fire department there. She's saved by this hunky firefighter, and now she's dating this firefighter. Like, they're broken up. Peter has yeah. no Mary Jane in his life. Yeah. He, he's running Parker Industries at this point. He's adding tech to his suit. When this picks up, he's going to be like an entrepreneurial tech guy uh, from uh, uh, Superior Spider-Man. So this is already – this is evolution of Peter, but do we like this evolution of Peter? But look, look I don't mind it because – all right, let's say – let's play this out here. All right, Peter Parker's a smart guy. He's like a scientist. He invented the shit. Uh, they never really explored the, the, you know, the depths of his creativity and scientific know-how, and they're starting to do that. And I, he's going to probably add shit to his crime-fighting, you know, cachet. Yeah. You know, he's going to improve Spider-Man and whatever, um, which is fine. I mean, being but, a scientist, it is kind of funny how he hasn't, like, come up with new shit in, like, 50 years until... I mean, there's no other way to keep... You keep this is the thing. If you're going to have a character that's going to last a long time, like 60 years plus, whatever, he's got to grow into something. Uh, and he's doing more growth than any other character. Think about it. Superman has not fundamentally changed. That's true. Batman's still, I mean, other than the Robins that he goes through, that's the only really difference between Batman, you know, then and now. Spider-Man has grown. Like, he went from being a fucking nerdy kid to being a kid in college to being a... Uh, a guy who, you know, ended up dating this chick who ended up becoming a supermodel that right. he grew up with, right. marrying her, getting divorced, then fucking getting the fucking whole brand new day bullshit trick trickery, you know, magic shit away your whole entire. Well, she was pregnant continuity. at one point, too, and they did away with that and, and then shifted, the, shifted yeah. that to an alternate reality. And Aunt May died at one point and yes. they brought her back. Yes. Uh, so there has a lot of shit that. Spider-Man went through and his character has changed and they keep trying to like reset him back. I think uh, after hearing that Todd DeZago thing, yeah. I feel like there's a whole other way we can approach Spider-Man. And that's why I had an idea. This is we'll great. All right. So right now, let's get into that now. Say tomorrow, okay. Marvel Comics calls you up. They're like, hey, work boy, it's Stan Lee. Hey, work boy, I heard you got some ideas. I can't do a Stan Lee fucking oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Spider-Man is yours. What do you want to do with it? All right. Basically... You can't stop the progress that's already happening. To reset Spider-Man and start him over again is just doing Ultimate Spider-Man. We already did that. We did Ultimate Spider-Man. Much, right. much to I the chagrin of Todd DeZago, who pitched that idea. Todd DeZago was on the money with this idea of letting Spider-Man just be, uh, like, you know, let him go, let him let him grow. Let him grow and let him get married, let him have a kid. You know, that, you know that's cool. But I think we're all going to miss... We're all going to miss young single, single spy, young Spider adult Man. Spidey. Yes. So you think about how old is Spider-Man now? He's like in his 30s. OK. Yeah. yeah. All right. He's in his 30s. He's going to pop a kid out. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe he moves to, to, with Mary Jane in and, and, and they have a nice family. She's still acting, doing whatever she's doing. He's, you know, doing whatever he's doing, making science shit. All right. Yeah. He could still be Spider-Man and do whatever he wants. But I think the Master Weaver all right. The guy who's in charge of the Spider-Man totems. Yes. He's trying to reconcile this. He's trying to reconcile this equation. Like he's trying to figure out if there's any if there's any world where Spider-Man doesn't happen and Uncle Ben dies. Oh, this is great. So in his web, because he's seen all the universes of Spider-Man now, Master Weaver is just looking over. He's kind of like the watcher at, at this point. Like, what if does this Uncle Ben never die? He's looking at all these parallel timelines. And in every timeline, what happens, Rugboy? 
Uncle Ben dies or Peter dies. Oh, like basically there's no world where either Spider-Man exists and Uncle Ben exists at the same time. Oh, all right. So that's a that's fucked brilliant. up thing. Yes. I love right. it. Okay. So, so he realizes that no matter what Peter's going to do, one of them's going to die. Spider-Man has to exist. Yes. Okay. So anyhow, he finds this timeline where basically it's almost exactly uh, all the other timelines kind of divert like really far. Yeah. But there's one that's really close to the Peter one that we have. Minus one thing, right? Yeah. And this one little change that uh, Peter doesn't go to the wrestling match. All right. He either goes out web slinging or he tries to impress Mary Jane by, by like messing with flash Thompson or something like that, but he doesn't go out and, the, you know, the whole thing happens with the wrestling match and the guy comes in and, and kills Uncle Ben. So the wrestling right? ma- the wrestling event still gets robbed, but Peter yeah. is just not there. He was like, I'm going to go hang out. I'm going to go web swing. I'm, I'm just uh, fucking around. So Uncle Ben still dies, but he's not directly involved in. Yes. Like, he had no idea that he like the other time. The killer is the guy who he could have stopped. But does this but remove in- his response, his sense of responsibility? No, he still feels guilty because he was out fucking around when he could have been home. Had he been at him. home, he would have protected. Ah, so I like still this. Got guilt. He yes. still has guilt, yes. but it's an alternate timeline. Things change. Like yeah, we just did a, guilt. We just pulled he, a Star Trek or a Terminator Genesis on this. I like it. Yeah. So basically, he still has the guilt, but it's not as that direct. Like I'm responsible for Uncle Ben's death. Yes. More of like I have a responsibility to protect people, and he becomes more proactive. He's like an offensive Spider-Man. He goes on the offense more. Oh, he's a preemptive. Okay. Yeah. And he's in his teenager. He's full of piss. He's like, he wants to stop crime because he, you know, he, he was fucking around. So he doesn't, he drops his whole idea of having a social life. He embraces being a hero and being a protector. He's obsessed with being a protector. Yes. And so uh, master Weaver is kind of like, you know, so Master Weaver is looking at uh, our 616 Spider-Man at the same time. He's observing this timeline, but he's also observing the original timeline because he's a little worried that the Peter Parker is uh, he's losing his identity or he's changing. And this universe is very going to – I think he feels that the 616 will lose their spider protector. Yeah. So he kind of like decides to pluck – one and put them put him this 16 17 year old spider-man into the into our current six, 616 spider-man's world and they meet up Ooh, and like and this guy's a teenager peter parker's in his 30s you know whatever and he's just like hey uh i'm you and blah 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 and basically takes on him as a ward yeah and and peter parker um you know he this young Spider-Man is Spider-Man. Well, I think Peter. Yeah. So if we're talking about this Parker who has Parker industries, like you can combine a lot of tropes. Like you could combine, this is like his Robin to his Batman. You could, he could have like a danger room type of thing at Parker industries where he's training the alternate universe, Peter. And now more and more, this alternate universe, Peter is the Spider-Man going out in the suit. Yes. Our, our Peter kind of takes like a, a, a mentor role, kind of like old Bruce Wayne and Batman Beyond, or he's at the controls. He's got to run the company, and there's less of this uh, him running off when he's in the middle of like a board meeting. But this doesn't last forever, all right? This okay. does not last forever, okay? Um, basically, um, young Pete eventually er- learns what happens to old Pete's Uncle Ben, that he was directly responsible. Yes. And – 
and he gets curious and he goes to see the master weaver. This is young Pete. And he goes, are there any timelines where uncle Ben lives? And the master weaver says the only world where uncle Ben lives is one where Peter is home to protect uncle Ben, but Pete's get, Pete gets shot and he dies. And then there's a world without Spider-Man. Oh, shit. And he goes, wow. And he goes, can you put me in that world? Okay. And, and then that's how the, it, it ends. Like, and that starts a new Spider-Man line where Peter Parker goes in the world where Uncle Ben and Aunt May still live, but he knows he already has the guilt in him, that this like of, of being spy. He's already a fully formed Spider Man, yeah. But he gets to, he gets to have Aunt May and Uncle Ben alive, and, and there's no Peter there, so it all balances. He can never out. talk to them. He can never talk to them because they've already lost Peter. Oh, they've already. So Peter's dead. Ooh, that's rough. I so like he, that. Yeah. So there is a tragedy there. Like he's still like. He knows that his aunt and uncle are still alive, but he can't be their son. But he has to protect them anyways. Yes. Oh, my God. That's so great. How – what a hot – like, I feel so bad for him. Look like, how clean that is. That's so clean. That's such a clean beginning. Like, it's clean. Like, you you have him in. You have fun with – we have fun with Batman, Robin, Peter for a while. Yeah. And then he oh, goes away. Beautiful. Here's what I love. I, lo- I want to read this moment. I want to read the moment where alternate universe Pete goes to 616 Peter and goes – Hey, you could have stopped the burglar. You were there and you let him get away. He's like, you motherfucker. I wasn't even there. Yeah, that's where they that's where they break apart. He he would be he would he would turn around. He would lose all respect for 616 Peter. He's like, how dare you tell me what to do when you were the pompous ass that could have stopped him? I didn't have that opportunity. Had I had that opportunity, I would have taken that chance. But I can't believe that you were such a selfish ass at that time. And he's like, I'm disgusted with you. I can't I can't be your protege anymore. Oh, that's awesome. Like, how awesome is that? The only thing you have to work out is why why he would come back out of his time in the first. Well, like, I, I had another him. I had another thing that maybe there's some sort of issue where Pete needs some formula that he used to know when he was a kid and he forgot and he's some for some reason only this young Peter Parker from the Elder Universe can help them out here and yeah a couple other things I wanted to throw in like. You could also let's not forget that Spider-Man 202099, who's Miguel O'Hara from the future, is currently stuck in the present with a, a 616 Peter. Now, there's all sorts of time travel trickery you could have with him. You could have him take him to other dimensions. You could have him go back and reset the timeline and it branches off into another timeline. Basically, these are all clean starts that Spider-Man could have taken at any point in the last 20 years. Yeah. And they didn't. <laughs> but that's how you start a new Spider-Man line. You could still have the old Spider-Man line where it's Amazing Spider-Man with 616 Peter, but you start this new Spider-Man line where Aunt May, Uncle Ben are dead. I mean, are alive and Peter's dead. Yeah. I mean, and that's a whole new Spider-Man. So moving forward, what we're going to have, we're going to have Amazing Spider-Man with Entrepreneur Peter. We're going to have a title called Spider-Man where Miles Morales is Spider-Man. Now, this is kind of a, a, a similar to what we want. Uh, and and Miles is great, so this could really work. No, I like Miles; he's good, and I like what they did with him. Like, like they really made a reverence to the like how much he respects Spider Man and how Spider Man is his hero. You know, it's and- very interesting how Spider Man is part of his world, and uh, it's kind of like Miss Marvel uh, going right now. You know, she knows Captain Marvel. And she kind of became Miss Marvel because she just adores Captain Marvel. And, like, it just it manifested itself as, like, a, mis- a type of Captain Marvel costume. Spider-Man, you know, ha- 
he's where would you do with him other than that? I well, mean, but you all, there's also a new series coming out. It's just called Spidey, and it's like old school. It's like these stories. They're going to be standalone villain of the month kind of old s- stories like we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah, but I don't want them to be silly. Yeah, that's see, the, I, the tone of it. Silly. They yeah. weren't silly in the '80s. No, no, they were a little bit silly, but not as silly as you think. No, they were but, silly because we didn't have like. Right now, we've been inundated with, uh, you know, everything's dark and gritty. Everything's dark and gritty. Everything's dark and gritty after yeah. Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. But, um, like, it wasn't dark and gritty, but it was serious. There's a difference between dark and gritty and serious. Can I tell you, like, the they used to touch on uh, child abuse. They used to touch on handgun control. They used to touch on drug issues, on social issues, on racism. They on rape. On rape. They don't do that shit anymore. I read, so Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man uh, 71, I also read, and it's called, it's just, it's a story about Marvel's position on handgun control. There's a whole conversation about what, they're like, well, people shouldn't be able to get guns. Well, we should make them legal so everyone can defend themselves. So they have this whole conversation. Basically, Robbie's point is, look, uh, personal handguns should be outlawed. Let the cops have them. You can still own a shotgun and a rifle. It's harder. Here's the thing that's crazy, though. You read this issue? It's over 30 years old. The exact same fucking conversation is still happening. Nothing's changed. Yeah, but they will never do that now. No. They would be too fucking pussy fucking pussies to do it. They wouldn't take that chance. Everything's PC, you know. They're putting a fucking dislike button on Facebook. What does that mean? I don't understand why they would do that. All right, I, I'm sorry. To it, the show no, again, that's but, fine because it really goes away if enough people dislike it. Yeah, well, that's what I read. I don't know. Is if that I for read the real? Right I don't know because that's like democratized censorship now. Like, what the yeah. fuck is this? Because look, I know there's a bunch of assholes on Facebook, but I mean, like, hey, uh, that's what fa- it's their right to post that shit if they got Facebook's gonna let them sign up. Just unfriend them. Yeah, you, you got you got a friend who's a dick and can't shut his mouth? Plus, unfriend them. Yeah, you don't. That's how you let them know. Yeah, you don't have to read all these things, people. Like, it's not like they're shoving it down your throat. Can't people make a choice about themselves and about being told what they like? But, I mean, do do you think – are you disturbed by this? I mean, like, look, the comics should be a reflection of, of the times. Yes, yes. And comics should actually have an undertone – of what's really happening. Like if you read the 70s comics, you really feel the 70s. Yes. You read the 80s comics, you really feel the 80s. When you read this comics, other than the pop culture references, you don't feel anything. You know, you maybe that, maybe different. maybe that is the reflection of our society. What that it's become completely it's, like controlled? Yeah. Yeah. And like censored and and Co- like commercialized, and, corporatized, censored and like watered down. Yeah. That those are all trends that seem to be happening like Wow, that's a good point. I don't know. It, maybe that is the reflection of our fucking shitty culture right now. I mean, and like Image probably does shit more than any other company that or yeah. unless it's like a smaller label that uh, I'm talking about the large companies that will probably piss people off. I mean, I'm, I mean, Marvel does have that imprint where uh, Mark Millar writes shit. I mean, Icon, they got, you know, they got that? the thing I liked after their bankruptcy when they restructured. They did get mature. They did grow up. They put writers and artists that were writing uh, more serious fare for Vertigo for DC. Guys you'd never thought would write superheroes. They put them on superheroes. And it's amazing. Like, that's what I was back in. I was like, all right, they're not writing for fucking 12-year-olds anymore. I'm in. Let's see some Marvel Knights. The Marvel Knights imprint what, you know, was huge with that uh, because it was just – it was for adults again finally. Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I stopped reading all superhero comics recently, and 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 the reason why is I just feel like what they're doing is a lot of it's just marketing bullshit. Yeah, it's event you know, comics. It's, at the end of the day, it's all like business. You can see it. It's transparent. It's transparent marketing and bullshit. It's like we need you to buy all eight of these issues, and I'm like, fuck that. Well, how about let's just write a good story. Yeah. Fuck up. Like, let's write. Like, why does it have to involve like every con? Like, remember Avengers versus uh, yeah, X Men? Yes, and they did a Fantastic Four versus X Men miniseries. Like, half of those issues didn't even fucking matter. No, none of that had to do with anything. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. fuck you. Like, no, Marvel, cut the shit. You know. Like, I again, I said it in the last show with like you know the recent episode issue of Batman was just a nice standalone Batman story. Like, I miss. The simple back to the basics of the character, one shot, all self-contained kind of stuff a little bit. Either that or just let's not like make it a whole thing. Like like you could jump on – like you could never read Spider-Man at all and jump on some of these books and just re- – and not have to worry about who's this person. Right. Or what, you know, like right. they're, they're just kind of like they work. Yeah. And even if you don't know who the person is, you could still get through the story without feeling like you're missing a huge chunk. Yeah. All right. No, they, I mean, I think our version of what we do is that was such a, a genius idea. Let's hope somebody steals it because it was. Uh, it's a geekerific Spider-Man idea. Talking nerd. Okay. Brief sidebar, listener. 20 years ago, myself and the rug boy and our friend Jose Dennis, who you met about two episodes ago, we had an idea to write our version of the uh, Dark Knight version of Spider-Man. And, you know, we were in our – look, we were in our in our youth, in our 20s. It was when everything – you know, it's still – the gritty was still popular. But we were always like, what if we treated Spider-Man like uh, Frank Miller? Did you remember the storyline though? No. Uh, I do have – listener, in the show notes, there's a half page of scanned artwork that Jose sent me that he had. And uh, Peter was just dark. He was bitter. He was a dick for no reason. And uh, I think we wanted to just uh, examine, like, what if Frank Miller wrote Spider-Man? And I, I don't know. We didn't finish. I don't know where it was going. We were way off base, by the way. It was not the character. Oh, yeah. We would, it would totally be urinated on by everybody. I was surprised that we actually did, like, inked artwork and finished pages of this shit. Like, we actually went that far. Well, we, uh, what we did was we opened with Peter Parker – Going to work and complaining about how fucking shitty the Daily Bugle That's is. That's right. He was like, I can't believe I got to fucking bring these pictures to. You know, there's Jim like a. Hates me. There's like a. Uh, before that, there's like a little bit of a. Uh, like a narration of him, like explaining like. His nightmares that used to be spiders and now he's Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that's right. How he loves Aunt May and this and that. And she would quiet the. the the terrors and this and that. And didn't he quit? Then, he like stormed out. Like Jameson like gave him a spiel and he's like, you know what? Yeah. Screw you. I don't got to take this. I'm out of here. Finally, he walks in and Jameson wants to see him. And uh, he's like, what now? Like, what is he going to fucking do to me now? Right, right, right. And he's like, and basically Jameson, like, like an asshole, like he offers him a job. He's like, look, I want you full time here. Uh, you know, whatever. I know you. We don't have the greatest relationship, but you know, fuck you. Like you, you're working for me, and that's it. And he's like, yeah, no, fuck you. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to work for you, and he just makes a snap decision to just because he has the finally has the power to tell J. Jonah Jameson to go fuck himself, and he and he does, 
and he leaves. And then he basically uh, begins like his whole thing of like, he has no job. Right. He becomes homeless. Yeah, yeah. And he just Spider-Man all the time. Yeah, yeah. Sleeps he sleeps in the Spider-Man costume. That's right. That's right. Like he slowly loses the Peter Parker persona and kind of just becomes the street lurker. Oh, my God. That's right. It's all coming back. I feel like we had planned like a four issue thing like Dark Knight was, but we only like wrote out the first issue. So we didn't really know what was going to happen. So, yeah. What... So basically Spider-Man just becomes like uh, Spider-Man all the time. And he does a lot of crazy shit and he like ties up a lot of loose ends that he always wanted to tie. I think one of the things was he was supposed to go see the guy who killed his, who killed Aunt May yeah, yeah. and beat the shit out of him or kill him or yeah, whatever. Didn't we actually have him killing people? <laughs> no, just that guy. I think just him. But uh, yeah, then eventually he would fight everybody, like all of his old enemies and stuff like that. Like just like and end with Green Goblin and him going at it. And then he finally comes to his senses and, you know, goes to J. Jonah Jameson. He goes, I'll take that job. And that's how he ended it. That's right. He does go back and, like, swallow his pride. I, I think that the whole thing was that he doesn't say no. He says he needs to think about it. But he was right. just fucking with Jonah Jameson. That's right. Yeah. And That's uh, very interesting that he came up with that 20, <laughs> 20 years ago. Like, uh, what were we thinking? I don't know. It was a good – it was a good – at the time, it was a good idea. It was, like a, it was like a different. We just wanted because they nobody had done them that dark. So no, uh, they did. I mean, in the eighties, oh, they, they did. Yeah, have them. no, they did. They did have it. Like in Craven's last time, he was dark, you know. But like, like I wanted to continue that. I wanted to continue that because at the time, I think it was uh, the McFarlane issues and stuff were starting yeah. to come out. Yeah, and, and I was just like, yeah. uh, and McFarlane was making him dark too. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he created Venom, and I love how he wrote the whole thing where. Uh, Eddie Brock like tortured Mary Jane to the point where she can't even look at that black costume anymore. It's too traumatic. Like yeah. he just scared and he didn't really do anything, but it's the fact that he broke into her house when she wasn't there and just scared the shit out of her. Like it traumatized. Yeah. That was some creepy shit. Like they don't do like, oh, come on now. You can't, compare. he just acted all creepy to them because suddenly he knew every, his secret. I, and I also, I did love the Eric Larson years afterwards because it got a little more fun but then, that, you know, that's when he became Cosmic Spidey for a while, where he had the power of, he was like the strongest being on the planet. Yeah, there was some silly shit, yeah. you know, also wow. in the in the late 90s. But, I mean, it was all good. It, was, it wasn't, they didn't stretch it out over a year. That's what I'm no. saying. No, and you had great Sinister Stick storylines with Eric Larson. And, you know, you got to see all the classic villains and he used them well. And, uh, he drew Spider-Man great, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I really did. Like, I, I thought it was interesting. Like, I thought at first I was like, oh, he's just copying McFarlane. But he took McFarlane's thing and kind of adapted it and made it his own. And he was, like, slightly influenced, but it was different. There was a Kirby-esque thing to him as yeah, well. Yeah, very dynamic, great gestures, great movement to the page. Uh, Facial expressions as well. Yeah, despite him... Uh, being a dick, I guess, when you show him your work, uh, he's a good artist. <laughs> you know what? I think that he was he was young and hungry at the time, and yeah. he was willing to do the shit. Now, if you look at any of his shit, like that he draws, is very lazy, and I don't think he has a right to fucking tell people that they're lazy when his shit he's, is lazy. He's still doing Savage Dragon, and I agree. It kind of looks like the same stuff he was doing uh, back then. You're probably right. He was hungry. I hope he doesn't listen. <laughs> he was way better. Well, fuck him because he. <laughs> 
Because look, no, he's you're the right. head of, he, he was the head of Image for a while, yeah. and uh, he's sitting there criticizing everybody else, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, I have the right to criticize because I'm Eric Larson." But fuck you, I can criticize you because I'm Rug Boy. Exactly. I mean, I've heard, and you know, like, it's not just one story, listener. I've heard several stories from different people of him acting this way. So, eh, what are you gonna do? Um, it is what it is. Shit, there's so many things I want to talk about. Do we talk about Silk, or is that just a whole? We save that for another thing. What about the new the new series? Just the, the idea of this retconned character now in his history. It doesn't matter that to me as much because if as long as it doesn't really interfere with what we've already gotten, yeah, like what's already happened in in canon, like I don't think it matters. It's like they could write her in as she's been gone for a while and she just shows up out of nowhere and she also got bit by the spider. Well, that's let you me. Know. I just want to explain for the listener. It's kind of cool. Silk's backstory. Her name is Cindy Moon. She's a high school student. She was also attending a public uh, demonstration of nuclear waste materials. Happened to be the same exact demonstration Peter was in. So the spider that bit Peter went and bit Cindy on her ankle before it died. So this is a little bit of a retcon. Now, the first manifestations of her powers. Uh, occurred when uh, her uh, organic webbing accidentally caused her to web up her parents. At which point, Ezekiel, so like they retconned Ezekiel into the retcon, Ezekiel comes out and takes her away. He trains her and he tells her that she's part of this totemic spider power thing and Morlin is tracking you. And he tells her, I have to lock you away in a bunker, in a room that blocks Moreland's detection at the bottom of his tower to protect her. That's fucking stupid. This bunker did have <laughs> years. I know. This is how this bunker had lots of food, books, tapes of the outside world. So this is how Cindy is able to keep up with what's going on every day. But And she had the code to leave, but she knew that if she left, it would trigger this uh, whole inheritor search, which is what Spider-Verse is. This story is revealed to Peter when – oh, actually, this is kind of cool. There was a point where it was in an event where – did you read this? The orb, the, the watcher dies and his, his, this orb releases – he steals his eyeballs and he releases secrets of all these heroes in a burst across the city. And this kind of had manifestations in a bunch of titles because suddenly – Yeah, I heard about this. Yeah. It was kind of neat. People had realizations and you were like, what do they realize? Uh, Peter's realization is that there's this other girl that was bit by the spider that's in a bunker that's locked up. So he goes to free her. She tries to warn him. Of course, he doesn't listen. And it triggers the inheritors and it triggers uh, them hunting her her down in all the Spider-Verse and Spider-Verse. Now, a couple of hilarious bits is they were strangely sexually attracted to the point they were like – we just want to fuck all the time, and we have no idea why. And they were like, okay, we got to stop making out and figure out how to do this. Uh, I love that. So Silk doesn't know who her parents are. She gets a job with J. Jonah Jameson, who's now running like a blog. It's like not a newspaper. It's like a web blog thing. And he's looking for her parents. But she's been locked up for 30 years. Right? Isn't that weird? What a, not what a fucked up. What like a she's f- not like... She's not like fucking like doesn't have like a no. She's like kind of syndrome. She's, nope, she's fine. She's completely adapted yeah, to society stupid. and uh, completely dumb. So See, that's the thing when you tell me about this and it's a dance line <laughs> idea, part of it's good. I'm like, hey, I'm in. But then like, there's something always that's like, oh, like, this like, is I don't know. this is a dance slot creation. So again, moving forward, Silk will have 
her own series. Spider Woman will have her own series. They are they did a Spider Verse uh, Battle World series that's now going to be the Warriors of the Spider Verse series. So yeah, there's everybody gets to be Spider Man. Like, everybody the shit that I this gets, gets to be Spider Man. Yeah, you woke up. Hey, spiders are tingling. <laughs> everyone. My spider shits are tingling because everyone gets to be Spider-Man and yes, and uh, it's all weird. And Peter's going to have like a spider mobile that breaks out and stuff. Anyways, I'm going to oh, hate it. that. I'm, <laughs> I will read it. Rugboy. And I'll tell you what you're missing. How about that? You don't, I don't, you don't have to go uh, through that. I torture. think that's fine. So what else we got, man, that's another tangent. I gotta, I gotta do some news. We got to wrap this up. This has been a good show. Nothing. So I wanted to ask you, there's a story that came out. It's about, we were talking about Mary Jane and where she is now and the fact that Peter is not with her. They're not together. She's dating a firefighter. Peter doesn't have uh, a, a woman in his life, really, except for Carly, maybe Carly Cooper. I forget. But story from MarvelComics.com, Brian Michael Bendis is bringing Mary Jane Watson to the supporting cast of Invincible Iron Man. Oh, shit. Geek boner. So Iron Man is going to reboot. It's going to be called Invincible Iron Man. And starting with number four, MJ will become a regular member of Tony Stark's supporting supporting cast in an unexpected new role. Uh, writer Brian Bendis pounced on the opportunity to integrate Marvel's most famous redhead into the armored Avengers world when it presented itself. Here's my question. How soon do you think Tony's going to mack on her? Geek boner. He's going to want to fucking. He's going to immediately get in that shit. He's going to immediately want to hit that shit. But, I mean, other than a love interest, I don't see Mary Jane being in there because she has nothing to do with what Tony Stark's about. Right? This is really weird. Like. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit at all. I'm like, she's like, what, what if she needs a job? Is she a secretary? How do you go from being a, a, an actress and a supermodel to being a secretary? To uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's almost curious enough for me to pick up number four and see what the fuck. I would like. almost prefer her to be like her to marry somebody like uh, like uh, and be part of something like that. You know, she happens to, you know, like not Spider-Man, but marry right. somebody else or what, get it, into a relationship with somebody dude, else. Dude, what if she that firefighter? What if they get married and now Peter has to deal with his like the love of his life is now married to someone else? They're not going to do that. But, you know, I don't know. It's also. Uh, Are you intrigued? Weird. Is it going to get you to read this? No. <laughs> oh, shit. No. Oh, boy. I could care less. Lame. I mean, look. <laughs> Mary Jane is only cool when she's with Spider-Man, I think. You know, other than that, she has really nothing to bring to the table. Like, other than what she she was. She was down for, for Spider-Man. She was a good wife. She was uh, whatever, dealt with whatever she had to deal with. So she's used to that game. Yeah. yeah. Why would she ever put herself in that same position again? I, I mean, Brian Michael Bendis can he can surprise me. And I I mean, I keep thinking in my head, this is like it's she's like a like a spunky, like pepper pots kind of thing. You know, like it's just yeah. I don't know. You know, like I'll give it a chance if it's Bendis, but like I, I'm not going to read it. You know, it's almost incestual if they like there's a romantic thing. I'm like, oh, no, totally no, sleazy. Be, what the fuck? Tony, that's not cool, man. Yeah, maybe she, maybe she is the voice of reason for him. I don't know. This will be interesting. Also, listener, the Hulk is Asian, so I'll just leave that there. <laughs> Moving forward, that's uh, Amadeus. Amadeus. Amadeus Cho is the totally awesome Hulk. Now, how does he get to be the Hulk now? Well, uh, I believe Bruce Banner is 
is involved in some point. Uh, they were they were kind of hiding this um, for a while, but Greg Pak, co-creator Frank Cho, they're going to have Amadeus Cho be the Hulk. I knew this for a while. It's not I'm not hidden at oh. all. People know this shit. I'm not sure if they revealed what that which way they're going with it right now. Uh, okay, so Bruce Banner is no longer the Hulk. He can no longer change into the Hulk. See, I don't fucking know. So like, I don't know. No, what I'm talking I don't about think it. they know. He's like, that's the biggest mystery of this first story. How did Amadeus become the Hulk and what happened to Banner? So they're not telling us, but we'll find out uh, in the first. It will all be issue. revealed. It will all be revealed once you buy the issue. So, all right, this second story. Now I want to talk about what I had mentioned earlier. Uh, there's a comic book store right down the street. It's not far. It's on Western and Wilson Avenue. It's in Lincoln Square in Chicago. This is going to get a little local, listener, but bear with me. Uh, Western Avenue, if you don't know, I believe it's like one of the longest streets in the world. Like, it's a really long street. But this is the north side of Chicago. There's a little comic book store called Variety Comics. It's been there for 41 years. It's, uh, it's probably the oldest comic book store in the city. Uh, Rugboy, I'm going to share this link with you because I want you to see this photo because I remembered ever since I was a little kid driving through down Western, this store is on the first floor and on the first floor of this building, they have, they've always had illustrations of Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, Hulk, like painted murals. And I remember ever since I was a little kid that you would, I would wait to see this because I knew it was coming and you just got little, little thrill because you saw all these comic book drawings on the wall. Well, listener variety comics is, is going out of business at the end of October after 41 years. That's sad. It's very sad because this is an experience I think will not exist in the future. Like this store is on the basement ground floor. It's like you go in and you go downstairs and right away you are hit with the smell of newsprint and ink and Mylar bags and just just the, the, the sense of history. Because the guy who started this shop did it out of the fact that he had a huge back issue collection. And basically, so co-owner right now, his name is Vin Nguyen. At the end of October, it's closing. He says, business is down. It's sad, but you know what it is. Variety, which opened in the summer of 1974, builds itself as the city's oldest comic book store. Older even than Wolverine. Uh, I'll post this link in the show notes. Over the years, a little shop on Western Avenue was witness to the evolution of an entire industry, according to a post on Variety's Facebook page. In 1975, it sold the first issues of the newly created X-Men. Rick Vitoni ran the store for more than 30 years, specializing in vintage back issues. Rick loved classic comics, and he always had the best selection, longtime customer Michael Dendler said. And if he didn't have it, you could be damn sure he'd find it for you. Following Vitoni's death in 2009, Nguyen, a diehard comics fan who started working at the shop when he was 14, took it upon himself to keep Variety open. He, He bought the shop along with business partner Victor Alvarez. When something is close to you, you want it to continue, said Nguyen. I was young. Rick was my friend. Why not keep the place you love going for as long as you can? The decision to close wasn't easy for Nguyen. I've got guys who've been coming here for 40 years. He made sure his regular customers were the first to hear the news of Variety shuttering before word got out to the public at large. They were sad, but they understood. His focus now is on emptying the store of years and years of stock. We've got Superman from the 50s. All back issues, toys, hardcovers, etc. are now selling for half price. New releases, which arrive weekly... 
won't be discounted until the last week of October. The final day for the store, it's on 4602 Northwestern Avenue, will be October October 31st. So, yeah, Rugboy, right after we're done here, I'm going to walk over there. A, to see if I can get some deals. They got to sell everything. There's going to be some good shit I can get. But B, I want to talk to Nguyen. I want him to come on and talk about what it was like. Yeah, that'd be a great story to hear. This story needs to be documented. Again, like I said, kids these days will have no idea. And obviously, here's why business is down. You can dial up on your iPad and download any issue from Marvel Unlimited. You can go to Amazon and get these trades for a fraction of the cover price they sell in the store. You can read synopsis of the stories. Uh, the store that I go to, Rugboy, in Glenview, it's called Pastimes, right? They sell comic books, but that's not how they stay open. Majority of their sales comes from Magic the Gathering cards and other card games and board games, and they they set up tournaments. That's the only way they, they stay open. They need to do that to yes. stay open. Now, let me just get, jump in here and, like, uh, every place that I've ever lived for a long period of time, because I'm, like, a transient motherfucker, but... Any place I've been, I set my roots down, like, I'll find a comic book store, and that'll be my haven. Like, yeah. I will go to that store and shoot the shit for three hours with the guy who yep. owns it. Yep. And I'll become, they'll become my friends. Yep. And then I'll go there, and it, it's like, you know, we share, we, we nerd out, we geek out. And uh, that's a great thing to have. It really is. And I think that that's the reason why they stay open, because they have these people coming in. It's their, these are their, their, Community. their customers. It's community. community. It's more than and they're not they're not rich guys. These no. the guys who own the stores are always fucking broke, yeah. you know. Yeah. And they, they buy a bunch of shit, and sometimes they know they don't sell it, and so they're gambling all the time with what what's good. What how do they know? And then they want to they don't want to be the guy that you walk in. Do you have this issue of this? And they're like, no, we don't have it. You're like yeah. you motherfuckers don't yeah. have this. And then you know they they want so they'll buy stuff knowing that no one might buy it. Yeah, and. You know, they're the unsung heroes. I mean, it's not a good, good way to do business nowadays when you can do direct marketing to people, individual people, and just give them what they want. But just walking in there and talking to the guys and getting recommendations and shit, I never never would have seen. Yeah, that's the that's you how know? you found – before the internet, that's how you found cool shit. That's how you got turned on to it. You would go to the you store. You meet cool people too. Yeah. You meet – you know. But I think of like – look at the secret stash on Comic Book Men. Like – they seem to be doing it pretty good, but they got Kevin Smith money, so I don't think they got to worry about. Oh, it. I believe that that is just a tra- charity from Kevin Smith that he. Just they're probably not even making money then, probably. He probably like pays the rent, and he's like, "You guys keep whatever you get. You guys make." Yeah, you're right. The whole business is speculation. If you are going into back issues and collecting, and you need to turn these over, you are investing in these books, speculating how much you can spend and how much you can make to sell it to a collector. Variety Comics, yeah, it's, it's, era, it's an era gone by. Yeah. Um, the takeaway is go to a com- comic book store before they're gone. Yes. You know, you owe it to yourself to go to go. Yes. So, and go find some of these old back issues, these old 80s back issues of Spider-Man. Yes. They're, and they're getting harder and harder to find, listener. We got to preserve some of this history. Go experience the comic book store. One last thing. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to see Marvel Universe live at Allstate Arena. Oh, shit. The fucking stunt show? Yes. I have no idea what I'm into. I managed to get some tickets. I'm going to take – I'm going to try 
to record some fan reactions right after the show. We at- should try and find the guy who plays Spider Man and interview him. I would. I I actually I sent him an email like to their press. I'd be like, hey, we got a little podcast. I would love to talk to a creator or anybody. I never got a response. But after the show, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Well, the next show, uh, Anthony was supposed to go with me, but he's out of town jocking about. After the show, I'm going to try to stop a couple of people and just ask them, hey, what's your name? What was your favorite part? A couple of people my age, see what the see what they thought. And I'll give you – listener, you'll have a review of the live-action Marvel. There's like 25 characters in here. Like I don't know what – I don't know what this is going to be. Like there's uh, bicycle stunts and fire and Spider-Man is just like swinging back and forth and hitting poses from what I saw. So I, I would can- be so – Disappointed when I interview this guy who plays Spider Man and clearly knows nothing about Spider Man. I'm sure he doesn't. And the whole thing might be like totally for kids, and I might be like, that was fucking shitty. I don't know. Stay tuned for the next episode. There will be a report because I'm going to see it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got to take a shit. <laughs> Rug Boy approved. All right, well, you know what that means? That means the show must come to an end because Rugs Boy shits take a couple of days. It's a long, involved process that At involves least three hours. You know, there's yeah. cranes and support straps involved. I can't get into it right now. But, uh, oh, Rugsy, thanks for hanging out and filling in for the jock. You did a great job. And this is our love letter to Spider Man show that I had been dying to record with you since we started this podcast because I knew you wanted to get into this. Yeah, you know, I would love to talk about these things at length, but you've covered a lot of this stuff already. You've cr- covered Craven's Last Hunt, another podcast. Yeah. You've done so many Spider Timber Days. So there was a couple of things that you didn't you cover and you left out, and I wanted to make sure you got to that. Hey, so. and uh, we can always uh, revisit this in a couple of months and add some more stuff. And, uh, you know, because uh, every show is somebody's first show. Listener. If this is your first show, make sure you uh, follow us on the Twitter at Jock and Nerdcast or send us a speak pipe. All the links are in the show notes. You can click send us a voicemail and you can literally send us a little voice message. We'll play it on the show. Now, usually I go into the whole spiel about subscribe, blah, 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 blah. None of that. None of that bullshit. This is what I want you guys to do. This is very simple, straightforward. It's the easiest method of promotion. If you guys love this show, if you want to help spread it around. All you got to do is share it with a friend. Tell, yeah. Tell a person. Post post our, post the website on your Facebook and Twitter. Find a jock or a nerd or somebody who's into Spider-Man or somebody you think would watch the shows that would enjoy this. Everybody knows someone. We just need you to go up to someone and give them one of these. Jock and nerd. And spread awareness. So uh, that's it, listener. I don't want you to do anything else. Just tell one person. Spread the word. Spread the empire of stupidity. Right, Rugsy? Yeah, tell someone. And you can find me at Really Rugboy on Twitters. At Really Rugboy on Twitter. Show notes for everything we've talked about will be at jockandnerd.com slash 42. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us, listener. This has been Spider Timber. We have another Spider Timber show coming up to close the month. And my name is Imran. And my name is Rugberto Bambino. He's the Rugboy. <laughs> and he's the Noid. Hey, and we'll check you next time. Thanks again. <laughs> My spider shits are tingling. Runaway Jack and nerd. All right, dude. I'm gonna go take a shit for real. Okay. Oh, I forgot to mention something. Oh no. Rug boy. Stay tuned. You're going to listen to the show. Listener, one little clip. At the end of the show, I will be adding a clip of uh, J. David Spurlock. If you listen to our episode of uh, Daredevil's 50th Anniversary, 
During that show, J. David Spurlock gave us an incredible story about the origin of Spider-Man before Stan Lee and Steve Ditko even got to him. Oh, Holy shit. shit. This story involves Jack Kirby and other comic book companies that were about to publish a character called Spider-Man. But Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, and actually C.C. Beck, who had worked on um, Captain Marvel yeah. in the 40s, he was looking to get back into comics. He contacted Joe Simon and said, I want to get back into comics. And so Simon, I think the original, originally, yeah, originally it was a Harvey was looking to do some, try some superhero books again. Okay. And so they pitched to Harvey Spider-Man. Yeah. And it was going to be, it was going to be uh, written by a Simon and um, Jack Olick. Okay. Who, who I believe was actually related to Simon by marriage, Jack Olick. And uh, so written by Simon and Jack Olick and then drawn by C.C. Beck. Well, they pitched this Spider-Man to Harvey, and Harvey says, says, well, people don't like spiders, and um, and, and no, we're going to pass. Wow. Right? So then, after that, Beck goes back to Florida. He gives up on comics again. He goes back to Florida. And then after f- about five years, I think, went by, if I remember correctly, and uh, then Simon, of course, the book I did was Simon was his book, uh, The Comic Book Makers. Okay. Right? Joe Simon and his son, Jim Simon, I published that. Uh, that's a good book that co- covers this, a lot of this very well. And so then he and Jack are back working together. And now uh, Archie's interested in some, some superhero characters. They're going to try that again. This is uh, in the mid-50s. Wow. And so they take the... Uh, uh, I think originally it was pitched as Silver Spider okay. to, oh, to, to Harvey, the okay. Silver Spider. <clears throat> and so they, they changed the name to Spider-Man, they, and, then, and uh, Simon draws up a logo for Spider-Man. And they, they, uh, they pitch it to, to Archie, and they actually draw up the story. And Archie says, no, people don't, people don't like spiders. <laughs> uh, if you're going to have a spider, make him the villain. Oh, man. And so they changed the name to The Fly. Oh, and they ch- made the villain named Spider Spry. Okay, <laughs> and so then, but but uh, but Jack still had that original Spider-Man logo that that Joe had drawn, and he and and the concept that was. So when they changed it to the Fly, they had to change the story up a little bit. Okay, and and Joe liked to point out if you look in the original story, the Fly can't fly. Yeah. What's up with this? He's crawling up walls. <laughs> because he was supposed to be it's Spider-Man. Because he was supposed to be – because they just took the art they drew for Spider-Man. Let's call him the fly. And oh, really? They, and they, they added these – they just changed the costume a little bit and called him the fly. Wow. And they said, well, how, why can't – why is the fly fa- <laughs> falling off this building? Because he's not really a fly. He's a spider. Wow. So that published fly is actually the first appearance yeah. of Spider-Man. Yeah. Wow. So then, but they did make changes to make it the fly. There are, there are differences between the original concept for Spider-Man and the fly. But, but they took the art that was drawn for Spider-Man and then and adapted it to the fly. So then, they, then Jack and uh, Joe stop working together. Jack goes back, which be, shortly becomes Marvel. And, and then they're about to go under. Yeah. The, way Jack, the way that Jack told me the story... 
was he walked in and that Stan was was sitting on a stool in tears and they were moving furniture out of the office. Wow. And he says, it's over. And, uh, and, and Jack's like, well, do the distributors know yet? And they said, well, you know, they'll know within an issue or two. We just can't wow. keep. I mean, they were changing names frequently, you know, staying, trying to stay away from bankruptcy and all. If you look in the, the 1950s Atlas comics, it may say Atlas on the cover, but if you look in the fine print, yeah. they were changing their name, Vista, oh, Zenith. just to stay afloat as a yeah, new they were, uh, company. They had, they had new names all the time. Wow. Weird. So, so Jack's, Jack had always related to superheroes. That was just his thing. Yeah. He just he, Superheroes came to him so, so naturally. He, he, he couldn't hardly open his mouth without ideas coming out, and a lot wow. of those ideas turned into superheroes. Wow. So... So he says, well, if we've got a couple of issues left, let's try something. Yeah. And like Stan's like, now this is Jack's version of the story, okay? okay. And he, as yeah. he told to me. Okay. He said, he's, and, and according to Jack, he was just, Stan looks up, or Jack always called him Stanley because yeah. that was, his, that was yeah. his real name. Yeah. When he met him when he was a teenager, yeah. Joe Simon and Jack Kirby were the stars at Timely, and, and Stanley was coming in to empty waste paper baskets and sharpen pencils and yep. stuff. So, uh, so Jack always made a point to you know after he changed his name to Stan Lee to keep calling him Stan. <laughs> but um, so he comes in. He says, "There's one thing to do, kid." Jack had this this voice like this. One thing to do, kid. He's like, "What's that? What's that, Jack? Superheroes." <laughs> God bless so, him. So he so he goes home. He works up some ideas. He comes in. Fantastic. Four, yep. Thor, Hulk. Uh, and Spider-Man. Yeah. He brings in Joe oh. Simon's logo oh. and the idea and some, some a few pages. So those pages, but once, and then Stan pitches to Goodman, Spider-Man, and Goodman's reaction was the same that everyone else had. People don't, don't like spiders. Yeah. Spider's the name for a villain. Had been a publisher of um, pulps before we started doing comics. Yeah. All right? And so Stan reminded him, don't you remember the old Spider pulps? Those are some of the most popular pulps of all time. Spider was, he was a contemporary of the shadow. Right. And, uh, and Goodman was like, yeah, those, those were bestsellers. And so he approved it. But, but Stan's idea was to not make him this big superhero. The original idea, going back to the C.C. Beck version, was kind of like Captain Marvel. He's a little kid. He's like a 12-year-old kid. Yeah. He finds a magic ring in a spider web in his grandmother's attic. Right. He puts it on and he and he turns into a full grown superhero Spider Man. Yeah. So that was basically the way that Jack still had it. Uh and then but but Stan kinda liked the idea, what if we make him a teenager in high school? Yes. And he's kind of <laughs> he's kind of a nerd. Hey, yes. right up your alley. That's yes. this, guy right this here. is why Spider Man is it's my your nerd value. Character. That's your nerd value going yes. on. So uh, then he decided to, to see what um, uh, he was going to have Ditko ink it. He shows it to Ditko. Ditko looks at it. Stan wasn't reading the other publisher's stuff, but Ditko was. And Ditko says, this is, this is like Joe Simon's The Fly. Yeah. And so Stan decided to turn it over to Ditko. He says, well, see what you can do. You know, change it up so it's not too much like The Fly. And then Ditko took over. So we just did a whole episode on Spider-Man. Now we need to get back to Wallace.